Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Welcome once again to the How To Be Great podcast with me, Rob McNichol, and my shadow, Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well, thank you, my friend. Hello, everybody. However you're listening to this, thank you for doing so. Hope you're all doing well, as we are. It's been a, it's been a crazy old week in our little part of the wrestling universe, hasn't it? I suppose it has, but let all the others fight and fuss, Paul, because no matter what happens, we've got us that's what is uh, important to remember it has been a funny old week <laughs> and we do we do very very little uh, commenting on current uh, wrestling things but i am going to start this we have genuinely not spoken about this off air folks i am going to start this podcast by asking you what i thought of chris jericho and mjf oh go on what do you no i want to know what you think what do you think well i think i I think your reaction would have been absolutely hated it. But the fact that you brought it up suggests the, the, suggests the double psychology of it makes me think you're going to say the exact opposite. I, as you know, am not a follower weekly of AEW. I don't watch Dynamite um, on a regular basis, but I am familiar with uh, obviously both of their work. I am roughly familiar with what's going on in their storyline world. But I want you to confirm for me, are those two characters both heels... Are they sort of playing a bit of a game of one-upmanship? Are they, for want of a better phrase, doing that sort of my enemy's enemy is my friend sort of approach to things? Is that their alliance? Um, I think it's kind of just feeling each other out at the moment. It's been the actual build, if you want to call it that, or the, the angle or whatever, server has been so cleverly nuanced it's basically two massive arrogant guys who've got more in common than they probably choose to admit begrudgingly respecting one and each other but clearly you can tell that um, it's not all going to end sweetness and roses but at the minute they're loving each other um, so yeah it's, it's two heels um, roughly on the same page in that case I absolutely loved it <laughs> I loved it and there was a big difference and people will call me a hypocrite for uh, disliking something like the Firefly Funhouse and whatever and here is my reaction if you have two people with the monumental egos such as Chris Jericho and MJF they are the kind of people I'm talking total and utter kayfabe here now no script writers no angles no anything like that but if those two men worked in a sporting product that had a televisual edge to it I could see those two people going to the producers and saying we would like to perform on the show on Wednesday night a musical number because we are both wonderful performers excellent singers every Everybody loves us. We deserve to have that time in the in, in the you know, in the sunlight, as it were. 
and I absolutely could believe that would happen. I cannot believe that Bray Wyatt can make a dream sequence come true. I cannot believe that he would force Christian um, John Cena into dressing up in you know unbeknownst to him. I cannot believe that all of those weird you know telemorphic things are possible. So therefore, I hated that because it's out of context. But this can be explained away. They are heels. It is not a dream thing. I thought it was amazing. Fair enough. Uh, that surprised me somewhat, as you can imagine. Um, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, it's opposite day today, mate, isn't it? I wasn't a huge fan because of how it took me out of this really well-crafted personality-driven feud and into the silliness. And it does make me think every time I see something like that, it makes me hark back to Cody Rhodes telling the world how sport-orientated they're going to be. Um, and then, and then we go into something like, uh, something like a musical from the West End. Not to say it wasn't entertaining, it absolutely was, but I prefer it. I prefer the silliness to be grounded in a bit of reality. Um, so I wasn't a huge fan, if I'm honest. Well, that is the, is a good way of following up because as I as I made mention of, I am not following it on a weekly basis. If that is not the tone of how they've been doing things, if that has taken you out of the moment, and I would say more importantly, I would say that is not serving the audience that they have built. I would say that the average AEW fan is way less partial to that piece of silliness than the average WWE fan therefore is it the correct thing to do is it hitting your market in the right way I as, an, as, a, as a person thought it was funny oh, I have watched it out of context as a three minute video that someone posted on Facebook and I thought it was tremendously well done great fun and fit their characters but as you say is that the target audience is that the right thing to be doing and if it took well, you out of the moment then that's not necessarily great booking and you are right that whole you know speech about being sports oriented you know does that is, is that the right thing until Chris Jericho comes up with something and Cody Rhodes or indeed Tony Khan can't say no to it I think that they know their audience and Chris Jericho knows his AEW audience in such a way that it doesn't matter what they do they'll um, they'll there's a, there's a large segment of that audience that if Chris Jericho says it's funny then it's funny um, and there'll be no set and, and it fits and it's it's justifiable so they know that and they know they can get away with anything they want and uh, and those fans will follow them and, and, and back whichever um, horse they choose to ride so I wouldn't I don't think there's any issue there at all all I would think actually looking at the uh, the context of the company that was producing it uh, and indeed the routine that was done on screen if I would imagine if Tony Khan could only get his back four at Fulham that coordinated um, then they might be onto something and they might not get horrendously relegated that they're about to do this season but th that aside <laughs> this, this, is not a this is not a football podcast um, we uh, I it's, not, but it's an interesting it, it, sorry it's an, in it's an interesting point you think about you know Tony Khan is an interesting character you look at the ventures that he's involved with Fulham failing horrendously and consistently the Jacksonville Jaguars potentially about to have the worst season in NFL history AEW is the only thing that's like even remotely successful but it does make you question you know obviously there's a certain segment of people that see Tony Khan as a messiah and I can totally understand why but when you look at his wider track record you, it does for me ring alarm bells long term you're thinking okay hopefully with the old wrestling he's found his niche and he's found something he's passionate about and driven and great at and I really hope that's the case but you look at the rest of his CV and you're like this might go south um, but we'll see 
well, we'll see. You could argue you could argue that it's a context thing that I mean are Fulham um, failing because they're bottom of the Premier League or near the bottom of the Premier League or are they succeeding because they got out of the Championship there's another, another question for another day one of the reasons I brought up that particular skit if you want to call it that on AEW uh, last week it does occur to me obviously that some people are listening to this not knowing what I'm talking about it's far too late um, to have given a bit of a warning at the start but I do think it's worth going and having a look uh, on social media it's hard to have missed it in the last 24 hours um, we are, we're, we're recording this on, on Thursday night of, uh, of that week uh, so it's worth going and having a look. But one of the reasons I bring it up is because this week's topic of conversation is about something that's a bit different to your normal wrestling. It's not uh, the great matches. It's not the great moves. It's not the great angles that were serious and over belts and over grudges. We are talking about humour, funny, ha-ha, uh, call it what you will, the comic relief side of wrestling. We are going to be discussing who are the funniest wrestlers ever we try to stay away from the phrase exactly comedy wrestlers because that makes you feel like someone that's just in it for the uh, for, for the laughs and, and that is all some of the names we're going to mention are some of the biggest stars some of the greatest wrestlers of all time they just happen to have had wonderful comic timing as well they say funny isn't money well perhaps it's not but the, the, I would suggest that it can be an extra element to a successful character we'll get there in just a second but what we have to do first of all is address last week's podcast and last time out we discussed the greatest gimmick matches in wrestling history keen to point out at this stage if you didn't listen last week that we uh, removed the Royal Rumble from the, uh, the equation because it's a, a slightly different type of match to the way we were describing things but Paul Benson will give us a rundown of the five that we selected for the shortlist for last week's top gimmick matches and he will also reveal the winner because what happens on this podcast is we pick the top five then we put it over to you the listeners to vote on your favourite of those five as ever I don't know the result so Paul uh, why don't you give us a rundown and I'll see if I can select what I think is one I will. So, in alphabetical order, the five on the docket were the Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell, Ladder Match, uh, Submission Match, and Two Out of Three Falls. So, why don't you give me a prediction for your top five? Uh, I think, because people think of gimmicks as being, you know, often pieces of metal, either as a structure or things that people hit each other with, I think, while I love the submission matches and two out of three falls matches, I think they will be fourth and fifth in some respect. Um, and Hell in a Cell is topical, so there's a chance that that could do well. I think that might come second. I think that my personal choice, which would be Elimination Chamber, I think will come third. Uh, and I think the winner will be the ladder match. That's how I predict it. However, I was horrendously wrong last week trying to predict the, uh, the, the the poll before that so I am willing to be miles off as I often am ok well I'll reveal to you but first of all a very interesting quirk now there are less votes significantly less votes this week than the previous week and in fact fully enough there are exactly half the number of votes that we got the week before okay. so the very on the, on the half also eerily the percentages are exactly the same absolutely incredible that's amazing but the percentages are exactly the same spread across the five results so um, it is amazing it's a statistical almost impossibility well that's maybe putting it too far but a, a statistical incredibly unlikely big anomaly yeah. with half the number of votes half the number of votes and got exactly the same makeup of percentages across the five so 
Um, with that in mind, there was a bottom two, just like last week, that scored zero between them in percentage terms. Um, and those three, one of which you quite rightly pointed out was two out of three falls, didn't get a single vote. The other one, more surprisingly, that didn't garner a single vote, Hell in a Cell. Okay, I thought that would. I thought just for the sheer fact that it's coming up soon, I thought a couple of people might vote for it. But there, there we go. As I said on the podcast, I think there's been a few too many ordinary Hell in a Cell matches, forgettable Hell in a Cell matches. And I think mm. it's early on in, in the uh, the life of the structure, it was considered a big deal. But I think it's failed on a few too many occasions over the last seven or eight years. Yeah. I think that's probably why it's down there. Maybe the bloom is off the road. And then just like last week we had joint second as well um, with around 13% each and those joint seconds uh, you won't be surprised to learn are the Elimination Chamber and Submission Match they are both a long way behind our runaway leader on approximately 73% the ladder match yeah I thought it would win I, I, I thought that was a I, I, I would have had that as quite a short price favourite if I was running a book on it so I, I don't think that's a surprise so, so. And I'm not anti the yep, ladder match, by the way. Uh, I, I do like it. I like the fact that it's got a variation. I think that the uh, your TLC match is different to the old school ladder match, which is different to the uh, Money in the Bank, which is different to them, you know, TLC tag teams. And there's, they've 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 varied it over the years. And a good example is uh, the ladder match that they had at this year's uh, WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania, wasn't it, when they had the triple threat? Uh, it was, yes. Yes, and you know, there, was as, it? Hang on, was it this year? As recent, wasn't it? Um, John Morrison and oh yes, it AJ was. Right, Jeff Hardy, right. was it? Um, you know, as recent. No, that was um. No, you're sorry, you're thinking Styles Hardy Zayn. Oh, that's what um, I'm thinking of. That was, that was more recent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, last month. But there was there was one at Mania as well. Yeah, I'm 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 conflating the two. But anyway, my point is is that both of those matches were good. Uh, and you know the last one in particular was excellent, and you know they they still managed to you know do fre- fresh things and make it feel um, both full of jeopardy, full of big moments, but also logical and, and exciting. So I think while that continues to have a high standard of match, it's not necessarily the uh, the actual gimmick itself that works, but more the fact that the people in it um, you know seem to produce over and over again you know good stuff. Yeah, not. Um, I'm pleased with that. It was my. It's my favourite by an absolute mile. So I'm pleased that was reflected in the voting. Fair dues. Now, will it be reflected this week? As I say, what we're going to do is a quick run through in our minds of the funniest wrestlers of all time. Those that have got the comic sense of humour. Those of uh, the comic timing, I should say, a great sense of humour, and those that have made us laugh the most over the years. There's a very easy way of measuring comedy who is it that makes you laugh the most however it's very very subjective if you take the world of comedy for example our favorite stand-up comedians our favorite sitcoms our favorite sketches over the years uh, will vary one person will like the fast show another will like monty python some will like both some will like neither um so this is probably going to be the topic where we do something we don't always do which is factor in a little bit the objective success uh, of certain uh, acts, certain uh, wrestlers down the years. Now it's hard to do drawing power with comedy, but it is certainly uh, we are able to say how well is this considered among the public, because we are aware that comedy is very, very subjective. On that, Paul, um, anything before we dive into some names, 
anything that you want to add in when it comes to uh, the things that we're going to be looking at here no not especially I just think we um, I think we need to be sort of quite uh, sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for I shouldn't be digressing for a like it's live on a podcast um, not too stringent on um, on our definitions of comedy wrestlers you know it's essentially thing wrestlers that are trying to make us laugh um, and you know we'll, we won't maybe restrict it to singles we'll maybe you know throw in tag teams and maybe even groups in there as well because sometimes it's impossible to suggest one individual within a group that is is funny and um, you know as a group they work as a comedic duo so I am pleased you said uh, or that. Or a comedic group. I am pleased you said that because I have at least three tag teams down, um, and I find, yeah. it, I find it hard to um, split them um, in 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 the sense of their in sense of their comedy stuff. We should also say um, if somebody has been a serious wrestler for twenty years and a comedy one for six months, that's fine. That still counts. We can have that six months yep. as, as the person. Whatever they have done, which is serious by no means uh, disqualifies them uh, from this list I have one one question really to ask um, at the very start in terms of a qualifier last week we talked about the Royal Rumble we discussed on air whether or not they would qualify um, I have one for that list this week and I think they probably shouldn't qualify um, because they, what the criteria that we would have would I think push them down another route but I would say that when it comes to funny in wrestling, the first name I go to is Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan <laughs> yes. was a wrestler. He's a qualified wrestler. He was a very good wrestler. Some would say if he'd have just stuck to wrestling, he'd have had a very good good career doing that. But I would say Heenan is a is known as a manager first and a broadcaster second. Uh, and while he is a wrestler, was a wrestler, I should say, I think we probably have to leave Heenan out of this one because it's not his his first and foremost that's not his role would you agree with me it's a good shout I did have him on my list but you're right we're not asking for the funniest manager asking for the funniest wrestler um, so I think that's fair because otherwise we could you know we could literally include people that have been comedians that have been part of the you know they've maybe had I don't know one or two matches but they've been a, you know, a stand up comic you know is, is, is therefore Jay Leno funnier than the Bushwhackers and where it's a very very weird world to get into so I think we need to stick to wrestling yeah fair point yeah, other, other, other than that I think we have uh, plenty of people that uh, will qualify as wrestlers and there might be one or two that are close to the line as far as that goes um, because they might be known, known for other things but we will get there in due course I'll let you start this week either a little list of a bunch of people that you want to mention but breeze past, or someone that you want to suggest for the list right from the start, in your court. Well, I'm going to try and start with our traditional sort of barometer, uh, what I think is going to be the over-under pick, and, and it also fits in with with tag teams, because we were talking about that. So I'm going to start with a tag team um, that I think is, in terms of humour anyway, um, much greater than the sum of its parts. So I'm going to suggest Edge and Christian Okay. as okay. our first topic. I have them down. Um, I'm pleased you've gone there because we were talking about the uh, the tag teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to me is that era in uh, 2000. I think one of the things that, in this is that um, you can be very, very funny on your own, but you need other people to bounce off. Uh, and what Edge and Christian had, which was really, really to their advantage, was that in the year 2000, there was some fantastic wrestling going on, great angles, uh, great storylines, 
those of you that have listened to us long for a long time will know that both Paul and I love that year. But there's probably more comedy stuff, more genuinely funny stuff going on in that year than almost any other year, 2000-2001 anyway. Because I would say that you know people they might not necessarily make this list later on, but people like um, like Too Cool, um, the Al Snow and Steve Blackman, um, various others were you know were utilising yeah. the funny side of wrestling uh, around that time. But Edge and Christian in particular, when I think of Edge and Christian being funny, I think of 2000 Edge and Christian recently turned heel. Um, playing around with comedy stuff with Kurt Angle and with Mick Foley two people I'm sure will come to in due course and I think E and C are lucky that they had um, you know two people that at least, you know, at least those two people that they could really really play off but as time has gone on you know, the Edge and Christian show on the network was something that I was never bothered with thought it looked a bit silly and gimmicky and childish and then several people including you said actually give it a chance it's alright and I've watched it in fact relatively recently I've watched it and you know what it's pretty funny it's some good stuff there the pair of them are yeah. funny guys and so I think this is a very very strong opening gambit yeah I agree and you've hit the nail on the head you, you know you talk funny you think of their 2000 you think of Team ECK you think of the uh, pose for flash photography um, you know pretending to Pretending to be ill to get out of a match, a title match, and getting caught out by Mick Foley. They were great, you know. Pairing those two up against Mick Foley, it was so much fun because normally, you, you know, it's not, it's a fairly given thing that when you're talking comedy, you go for the straight man and the wacky one, don't you? Um, whereas with Foley against Edge and Christian, it was more, it was more two wacky opposites, you know, out, out, crazying each other, and it absolutely was some of the funniest stuff in wrestling. Um, and you're right the wider 2000 was hilariously funny you know William Regal and Tajiri and all that malarkey as well um, I think these guys are right up there if you just took their 2000 alone I think it's there like you mentioned about the Edge and Christian show their podcast um, Christian Edge on his own not so funny Christian on his own hilarious um, so I think you could take that into account as well they did some of the best stuff you know the year 2000 was like got, they got over by being funny when they were baby faces in like 399 and 2000 it was like crickets wasn't it it was like they were just a pair of fairly bland blonde generic baby faces tagging together the minute they started being snarky and funny and amusing amazing straight to the moon they, I would say they're one of the few acts that got themselves over to such a degree top of their division purely on being hilarious yeah I wouldn't say purely because obviously they were great in the ring but yeah it would have been a large part of their character and it worked and they also had that one of the hard lines to, to walk along uh, when it comes to being funny um, and there's going to be some people we come to later on is that some there's been some heel characters who are funny and are so funny the crowd enjoy them a lot and so they start to cheer them and they end up turning babyface purely because they're funny. And it actually changes the comedy slightly. Those that are good at it can be hilariously funny, get laughs, but also get boos. And that's where the Heenan thing comes in. You know, Heenan was the absolute blueprint for that. He was very, very funny, and everyone loved his antics. But they still booed him, and they still called him a weasel. And because he had enough um, sense to do the weasel suit thing, chase his own tail, fall over, show ass a lot... And, and do that and, and Edge and Christian had the same thing they had that same ability to be losers they were funny but they were funny losers you were laughing at them they were almost like characters from 
uh, from American Pie or The Inbetweeners or something like that, weren't they? That kind of yes. You you were able to sort of like laugh, laugh at their um you know their faults rather than anything else. Um, what I would say is just to pick up on something you said before about the straight man uh, thing in comedy. That's a little bit of an overplayed trope. Um, if you go back, I would say I, I I'm a bit serious about comedy, so I apologise for going down a bit of a rabbit hole here. But your original double act in comedy, as far as I'm concerned are Laurel and Hardy. And the more you go through history right. for double acts, whether that's uh, Abbott and Costello, the two Ronnies, um, Morecambe and Wise, Paul Whitehouse and Harry Enfield, you know, who else, whoever it might be, your double act in comedy tends to be idiot along with person that thinks he's a lot more intelligent than the idiot, but is actually just as thick. So you know, Stan Laurel is the fool... Um, right. Oliver, Har- Oliver Hardy believes he is superior, but he is still an idiot. And it's like that's it's not it doesn't work exactly like that for Edge and Christian, but it does to an extent where Christian was so wacky, and then every now and again Edge would sort of like put him into place, but Edge was a fool as well. And you know, and it's like th- there's that's a really really strong comedy duo, a way of behaving that uh, you know one acts like they're the uh, they're superior. I tell you who's a, actually a really, really good example of it. It's a bit, bit of a different style of comedy. Is um, Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson in something like Bottom or The Young Ones, where Rick, yes. Mail, Rick Mail's yeah, character yeah, always plays superior. Um, um, I tell you what's another one. Uh, Steptoe and Son. The younger Steptoe is always thinks he's above his dad and always wants to break out of that, but he's actually just a fool himself. Um, and so that's a really, um, really effective comedy duo. The final thing I'll say about Asian Christian, um, I think, in terms of their success, is you can be funny here and there. You can have a funny comment. You can have a funny spot in a match. But if you can create something that people genuinely want to see every week and is a memorable thing. So in, in serious wrestling, we'll talk about something like the John Cena Open Challenge. You look forward to seeing who he's going to wrestle every week. You know, there's that feature of the show. Um, I would say that the Asian Christian flash photography thing um, where they gradually included more and more silliness, more and more props, more and more themes, other people. Um, you know, you know, you think about the the jug. Do you remember the jug band, the, the hillbilly jug band? I do. With the yeah, yeah. I think Kurt was involved in that, wasn't he? Um, they had the big Elvis gimmick. They've had so, so many of those, and they were genuinely funny. And but they, you still wanted to boo them, and I think that's such a a brilliant all-round, you know, thumbs up to what they were trying to do I think they are almost a shoe in for this list and I certainly think that what they should be is our, our gatekeeper that we often talk about you know if you are funnier the signs at Disneyland if you are funnier than Edge and Christian you're probably going to get onto the top five uh, I agree with that hence why I mentioned them they are there with a with a line with an arrow pointing above them and an arrow pointing below them well, here is someone. Here, I'll give you an. I'll give you a tag team, and I'll re- return with the tag team. And one of them, if we were doing legitimate size, would be below the line, and one would be much above the line. A big guy and a small guy, two great wrestlers in their own right. Two wrestlers have had great serious wrestling in their own right. But when they were together, the funniest act I have seen in the last ten years, Team Hell No. Incredible, absolutely incredible genuine comedy you know they weren't they were you know there's funny and then there's comedy you know I would say you know the Bushwhackers were a team that were looking to be funny but they weren't comedic no agreed. whereas Team Hell No was 
genuine comedy and excellent comedy as well um, sometimes personalities just work and bounce off each other and I would say Kane and I think we've spoken about this before but Kane is such a great comedic straight man yeah. um, and he's and, and especially and the Daniel Bryan partnership was the absolute pinnacle of that um, it was proper proper comedy sketches that wouldn't be out of place on on the BBC or in any other in any other walk of life it was genius um, some of the best some of the best self-contained comedy WWE's ever done mate they're, they're certainly high up the list for me that absolutely is an example of a straight Kane is a straight man without a shadow of a doubt yes absolutely he's funny because he's not trying to be funny he, his character is almost more like a uh, like a Leslie Nielsen um, in, Poli- in Police Squad or Naked Gun although he is an idiot um, that Frank Drebin character the reason he's funny is because he's not trying to be funny he's trying to play everything absolutely down the line and I can't ever remember a time where Kane's delivered the line where I thought he's trying to be funny there he is, he is just acting mm. the Kane character straight down the line and it's the absurdity of the situation you have a man standing in an anger management class next to a boy with a goat mask on explaining why for some reason he's got an obsession with trying to kill Pete Rose and it's like and it's ludicrous and it's absurd but it's funny and it, 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 that, that does link back to the, the very top of this show talking about the, the Jericho MJF skit of course you wouldn't see that on a you know a, a UFC fight night program or whatever but it's, we have to you know live within our bounds of wrestling and um, they're poking fun at themselves and uh, you know and having fun at their own circumstances and situations but I think that was the kind of uh, gimmick where just before they started to team together it looked like one of those silly old partners that hate one another that they're not going to get on um, and they're going to you know always wrestle and they'll always fight and then they'll split up and then they'll have matches and then the secondary thing was oh they're going to go with silly over the top stupid comedy and actually for whatever reason they nailed it was it the writers was it the situations was it the two wrestlers but the Dr. Shelby stuff the hug it out it was funny and here's the thing and this is the same as the Edge and Christian stuff it did not hinder the in-ring action because the in-ring action around about that time they were working with people like the Shield and like the um, like the Wyatt family and the matches were absolutely electric I've said this more than once the Daniel Bryan comeback of the flip in the corner, duck a clothesline, duck a clothesline, hit a clothesline of his own, is one of the best fired up hot tag combos I have ever seen. That was the most over move in professional wrestling. Um, and, you know, both of those men are absolute geniuses. I wouldn't necessarily put Kane or Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan on their own into this. They're both funny men. But on their own, no, they agreed. are more about their serious work. But as a duo, I think it really stands out. And you're right. I mean, I have, we have spoken about it before with Kane. I think about there was a, there was it's not necessarily comedy, but I remember a, a thing years and years and years ago, probably just after WrestleMania 18, I think. Um, just after right. they turned Hogan. Hogan was 18, right? Rock Hogan was 18. Is that right? Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, not long after that, they had a six-man tag match, and I don't know exactly who they were wrestling, but it was it was Hogan, Rock, and Kane, and they had a backstage. Yeah, I they remember. Had a backstage it, yeah. segment, which was, was all uh, quite serious. The NWO. Yeah, it must have been Hall, Nash, and one other, maybe Waltman. Um, but there was a yeah, you know, was, a serious you know discussion going on, 
and Kane did a kind of a you ready and he did a let me tell you something brother and he did went into that and it was extraordinary I think I remember he called his his followers the Canaanites and it was it was it was yeah. amazing and that's the first time he'd really done that and, and let loose with it and so you know he, he has history he has uh, longevity over doing it and I think the hell no thing was uh, was was absolutely spectacular Yeah, well, I think they're they're a they're a strong contender as well, aren't they? They Should are. Should we stick with the tag team? Yeah, go on. I've got a couple more, which I don't think are on this level, but I'd like to mention. Gold Dust and Booker T. Okay. Similar to Team Hell No, maybe not quite as good. Skit wise, excellent with a with a with a story of acceptance woven throughout it. So there was a real genuine moral story to the comedy as well as there is in all the best comedy I would suggest it turned Booker T from a selfish self-centered git into a, an understanding modern man um, but more than that it was just absolutely hilarious when they were messing around with film reviews and lightsabers and all sorts of other bits and pieces um, I suspect I probably enjoy this more than you um, but I thought they were, they were a really great comic duo I've never got Booker T um, all through his career as a wrestler, as a, as a, com- as a especially as a commentator, um, but I've never got, I've just never got it. I've never got the the whole thing. Goldust, I absolutely adored the original Goldust. We should say it's uh, 25 years, isn't it, of Goldust that we were uh, we're marking this week? Correct. Um, I read that on hookedonwrestling.co.uk. Um, but it's, uh, I, I love the original Goldust. I thought that that was just one of the most groundbreaking, different brilliantly thought up uh, acts I've ever seen to this day if we ever do a podcast which is you know it's very broad to say the best five acts or whatever but I, the Goldust act for me is just amazing groundbreaking um, so when he did the comedy I found it a bit of a st- like somehow the, I, 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 listen I prefer fighting for the title great wrestler Daniel Bryan than I do to the comedy Daniel Bryan but I never thought the comedy took away from Daniel Bryan's ability to wrestle because Goldust Dustin Reynolds is a good wrestler but he's not a great wrestler his his act his character is bigger than his wrestler his wrestling I should say therefore it always felt to me that the comedy just made me think you know this is okay but I prefer the I prefer the weird Goldust and I know I suppose you can only do that for so long um, but I always found it just made me feel it, it was a bit one dimensional the stutter or the uh, the what do you call it? Um, I can't think of the word for when you you, you spit out the words. Um, it was the Tourette's. The Tourette's. Um, you know, I, I just I don't know. It just wasn't wasn't for me. I will admit though, it's it was relatively successful. People still look on it fondly. And as I said right at the start, this is not just necessarily about our own senses, but what other people say. So I would I would absolutely accept that Book of Dust or Book Dust or whatever um, is is an overact. And if if for whatever reason Dustin Runnels was able to appear one night on Raw and you put Booker T and Goldust together with a crowd the crowd would absolutely go you know they'd go wild for it they'd pop for it huge so um, it was a successful duo no doubt yeah uh, probably not going to make the five though is it not for me not for me I wouldn't have I'm not and singularly either the only really thing that I think that Booker's ever done that made me laugh and, and got a rise out of me was probably King Booker I enjoyed sure. King, I enjoyed King Booker. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed King Booker a lot more than I enjoyed Booker T and Goldust. But, uh, uh, but yeah, but again, not not necessarily for me. Although that that trope, 
because um, let's do another one of it, which is a similar sort of thing, which is the Booker T and that you know relationship is the fairly serious one, and you know his tag team partner is the wacky one that he's having to tolerate, you know, and then at the end accepts. Um, I would say a similar duo, and I've already mentioned them once: um, Al Snow and Steve Blackman. Yeah, never really did it for me, if I'm honest. No, I mean, like, no, mild, mildly amusing, mildly amusing, and I got what they were doing, but. It, it, no, worth no more than a footnote, I would say. No, I would agree. We won't, we won't go into more detail. I've always found Al Snow. Al Snow to me is a naturally funny guy. You know, Al Snow makes me laugh. And um, agree. I, I won't have him anywhere near the top of this list. He's not done enough important things and, and whatever. But I do find him a funny guy, and I've, I've I've met him very very briefly on a couple of occasions. But he seems like a nice fellow, and you know, you might know him better than me. But um, you know, he seems like a funny guy, and I. And I I, I was okay with the Al Snow Blackman stuff, but I was just I was really following it up more to the, for the comparison to Booker T and and Goldust that um, you know slightly fed up straight man with the silly tag team partner. Any other tag teams? Yeah, no, I. I... Um... What an odd noise. Not for me. Breezango. <laughs> no. I think they ought no, to be met. Breeze, Breeze Angola. Yeah, I mentioned, I suppose the Fashion Files had a moment in the sun, didn't it? Um, but not not really anything that I would. No, James D on. Um, not, really, not really anything I would go crazy for. James D on Facebook says Breeze Angola not only was the Fashion Files a fantastic, hilarious way to get over with the crowd, but their match with the Usos at Backlash 2017 was a perfect example how comedy wrestling when done well can totally throw an opponent off their game and give you a real advantage so that's, that's that's his opinion I'm not throwing them up there as a as a real contender or anything but I, I did feel that they all, they do deserve a mention fair play there's your mention well there done Breeze Angle there is the mention um, I have one more team that I think are a genuinely funny duo again I don't think they're going to get anywhere near the uh, the top five but I've always enjoyed their work I've always thought they were quite clever cutting edge sometimes quite subtle with their with their stuff um, I don't know exactly what they go under these days but um, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazaria okay yeah yeah um, probably work yeah to be honest I've not got them on my list but I think it's a fair shout um, I think they were funniest when they sort of had that skit in TNA where they were drinking out of apple teeny glasses and dressing up like um, My Chemical Romance um, yeah not going to make the list but, but certainly worthy of a mention ok I don't know who My Chemical Romance are but I do know that uh, uh, that segment I know, I know they're a music act but I don't know anything more about them but uh, I, yeah that, that, you're right that's that sort of um, era of the apple teenies and, and stuff like that but, but very funny and whenever I've seen them in anything in terms of no, in Ring of Honor in, in AEW I just I get a kick out of them I think their timing's good I think they're funny guys but they can obviously they can work as well and back it up and I, I think that's a, a that's a good combo yeah agreed very quickly um, Miz and Morrison uh, originally on the dirt sheet was something different um, they never Ooh, really, tra- yeah, never, yeah, really yeah, yeah. never translated to TV really um, in terms of the, the funniness their tag team did but their humour was much funnier on YouTube or on whatever platform that was being used on um, I, sadly it's, it's died to death now I think the to me the, the reincarnation of it hasn't worked um, in my opinion but uh, I did get a kick out of some of their early dirt sheet stuff yeah it was funny and um, 
it was funny in 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 the context of what it was. They were just sort of a bit creepy and a bit slimy and a bit sort of completely lacking in self-awareness. But you know, I I'll be honest. My perception of them has been completely clouded by the last six months because it's just been crap. Like they're just juvenile fools, really. Um, and that's kind of all I can see. I've got blinkers on. I'm, I'm talking right now, so I know that there was more to it than that. But it's it's so soured what goodwill I had to them that I'm just not asked. Okay, let's let's move on then from people that try to retread a gimmick that worked once, and then are men in their forties trying to do juvenile humour. Let's move completely on from that. What about DX? <laughs> I knew that's where you were going with that. Um, DX. Where do you start with DX? Because it's been, so, you know, it's been such a different beast every time it's been around and sharing only a name. Like, you know, obviously the three main area, three main three DXs are the original one, then the Triple H led foursome, and then the sort of 2006 revival as a tag team. They've all been so different, uh, both in terms of the humour and their target audience and their and their um, antics. Now, what I will say is I thought the 2006 version were about as juvenile and as puerile and as uninteresting comedy-wise as it gets. Um, they were just mind-numbingly, brain-numbingly. They were the Mrs. Brown boys of WWE. They were they were made for the widest common denominator, and they they just they just did not do it for me at all. Whereas the original DX were much more sort of underground. They were like you know if you're talking comedians, they were Chris Rock. They were they were cutting edge. They were near the knuckle. They were not meant for mass consumption. Um, and they were great because of it, but I wouldn't necessarily say they were comedy. They were more sleaze. And then the middle ground is that 1998 faction, and they were genuinely funny. Um, the you know the skit where they did the Nation of Domination, there was you know they were, were very amusing on a regular basis, especially uh, the Outlaws, New Age Outlaws. Um, I don't think they were all time great in terms of com- comedic, but I think that was DX's peak comedy period. What, what would you think? No, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, it, they 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 had their moments of being funny. Yeah, I think you're right. The original DX would be almost yeah. You say Chris Rock. Um, I'd say almost more like a, a Bill Hicks or a George Carlin or someone like that, who you almost felt weren't necessarily trying to be funny. They were trying to make a point and making making jokes while they were doing so. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, or like a you know, like a, a Conan O'Brien or something like that, you know, where it's it's obviously meant to be slanted as being funny, but actually you can make a point as well, um, you know, albeit a heel one in their, in their respect. Um, the later stuff was almost more like a, like a centre-forward who shoots from anywhere, and for most of the time it's flying into the stand or going near the corner flag, but the occasional one goes in the top corner. I did think that sometimes they had very... You know, they might have been cruel, but I do remember... You know, for example, when they packed off the Spirit Squad and they put them in a little box that was marked OVW, um, you know, little things like that. Which I think that's funny, and I thought, you know, I thought they had moments where they were genuinely good. I think Triple H is a very, genuinely very funny guy, um, and has got great timing. But I'm not sure he's got a great handle on mater- on material. You know, I, I think if you know, he might be more like a. Oh, I'm not going to. It's not a very good example because he's not obviously not got the range, but he might be more like a. 
I tell you what, I'd say more like a, like an Eric Morecambe in the sense that, you know, Eric Morecambe didn't write his own stuff. He had a, he had Eddie Braven to write for him, and you know, I think that Triple H is you know quite a naturally funny comedy actor, but I'm not sure he's a naturally funny man. I think we've given the right sort of circumstances. He can be he can be he can be humorous, but yeah, I don't think there's anything over the whole period of DX that made me go that that um, nation parody is is okay and it's it's well remembered and it's kind of satirical for its own point and it was a good baby facing mocking the heels, but it's not laugh out loud funny. It's more the, the best bit in it is is Owen Hart and Owen Hart's not even a real member of DX. That's Jason Sensation. So. Um, you know, because obviously the, the the jokes in it, quote unquote jokes in it, are you know the rock's just been to the bathroom. You should have smelt what the rock was cooking. Very puerile, you know, shit jokes basically. Um, sure. So I don't think they've ever been grown up humour at any point, let alone their 2006. So I would say I would say no, uh, no to DX. Fine. Moving on. Yeah. Um, let's say. Go on, yeah, you you go again. I'm going to say I'm going to change tack a little bit The Hurricane Okay What do we think to The Hurricane? I think this was We can have a subtly different topic And if we said Best comedic timing Then I think he would be right up there I think he is Just one of okay. those fellas that's got, He's got a funny face you know, he's just—he's a—he's a good reactor. Uh, he's done some funny spots in matches. Certainly, he was a—the the character of the Hurricane was uh, less comedy, but comic relief certainly, light relief, because he obviously wasn't taken seriously uh, and in pretending he was a superhero and stuff. I don't think he ever really, really, really made me laugh out loud, but I did enjoy the the nature of it, and I liked how you know he he was able to work comedy matches in in a relatively realistic manner and the, the hurricane moment that stands out to me is when he tried to do the, the double choke slam on uh, Triple Absolutely. H Austin in the rumble and they just sort of look at him and yep. and they have a moment where you know they're suddenly simpatico they're on the same page because of this idiot trying to choke slam them and then they throw him over the top and you know yeah fun, funny guy I've never met him don't know um, Shane Helms um, but I follow him on Twitter he's quite a funny guy on Twitter um, seems like a naturally funny man, but I don't. I'm not sure the hurricane ever had enough to make me go, "Wow, that was funny shit." Oh, I disagree. I think he was the. Um, I think he was an incredibly funny guy in a lot of situations. I think he was he was typical bumbling. Um, you know, you mentioned the sort of character earlier where he it, the the humour came from him thinking he was much bigger and grander than he actually was. Um, and that that could be done as a face, it could be done as a heel, but the whole the whole sort of crux of the character was that he thought he was a, a he thought he was Superman, and he was actually um, Jimmy Olsen. Um, I know you don't know who that is, but many of our listeners will. <laughs> I know that. Um, is uh, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's basically uh, Superman's uh, weedy uh, Clark Kent's weedy friend. Oh. Um, yeah, so I. Uh, and I think he was great. I think, like you said, his timing was magnificent. He did it in a lot of different ways. Um, what he did with the Rock when uh, it was the Rock Austin feud was fantastic. His initial stuff when he was just becoming the Hurricane, his stuff with Rosie, um, I thought it was hilarious. Like I, I, I would go as far as I'd put him on the potential list, even though I don't think he'll reach the five. But I'm, I'm not running a line for him just yet. I'm happy to write him down because I, I, I enjoyed his stuff. Um, I enjoyed his stuff. Uh, I almost put him down as 
not necessarily. Do you know how there are t- there are programs on TV that are funny, but they're not comedy shows? Do you know what I mean by that? That they're sort of like almost like a if it, if it's um a, like a light entertainment show or a or a quiz show that has funny yes. bits in it. Like like Question of Sport can be funny or Pointless can be funny or The Chase or um, Noel's House Party used to be or the Generation Game. Do you know what I mean? That sort of light entertainment as opposed to sketch show or stand up or sitcom. You know, but it can be lighthearted and it can be a giggle. I sort of, you know, the hurricane would be a Knowles house party. Is my references? You're talking about Superman and My Chemical Romance. My references are Abbott and Costello and Knowles house party. Um, but that's how I sort of, <laughs> that's how I sort of figure the, um, the hurricane to be. But I like Knowles house party. I don't know. It's not, it's not a knock on him. Uh, I enjoyed his work. Mm. I, I was, I, you know, it's one of those ones. If you just gave me a, a conveyor belt to use the Gen game. If you gave me a conveyor belt of wrestlers and basically said you can employ them or not employ them, and then they just came along, if he was the one coming along to me, I, you know, I would, in a in a wrestling term, I would swipe right. I would I would have the uh, I would have the hurricane on my t- I would have him on my team, um, and I would use him in my company if if possible. But uh, I'm not sure I'd have him as a if I could only have five. I don't think I'd have him in that case. Fair enough. I think that is indeed fair enough. I'll knock him off. Um, I've just realised that I, what I wanted to do was take it down a, a slightly different route earlier on when we were talking about um, people such as uh, Bree Zango and indeed Miz and Morrison because um, I wanted to go down a slightly different route um, and you know my feelings on this person but I, I, th- I think it would be unfair to not bring them up in the context um, and that is Zack Ryder um, because what you saw, what sometimes what you see on television is different to what you see on in their own uh, in things of their own making and I will say that I really, really enjoy. What was it called? Z Long Island Story? Was that what it was? True Long Island Story? Was that what it was? Z Long, Z Long, Z Tree, yeah, something like that. Was Whatever it, yeah. it was. Like, it, 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 rearrange words, these form sentence two. Um, but <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was genuinely, genuinely funny. Um, I've never thought he was a very good wrestler. I've always thought it was a really short term thing. Um, and when people were all baying for him to be used on TV more, I really wasn't fussed about it, I thought the stuff with him and Eve Torres and Kane and Cena was, was rubbish, I never understood why they had that sudden push to give him the IC title but that particular online series that he was on uh, I thought was funny I thought it was a good. I thought it was a funny show, he made me laugh Fine by me yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just not point. sure. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure where to go. No, I'm not. Yeah, not. I'm not pushing for him on the five. I'm just saying that I think he's the kind of person that would have come up. People would, when you say funny wrestlers, I think people would go, "Oh, is that right? It was funny." He's certainly, he's certainly again, he's certainly a light relief. That act is a light relief act. He is a. Yes. See, I like Zack Ryder. I like him as a wrestler. I think he was done a disservice. Blah 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 blah. Um, however, I don't think we can necessarily. You know, we, we have to make a dis- distinction between funny wrestlers and funny personalities. Dolph Ziggler is a stand-up comic. Um, presumably, has some form of humour within him. Would you call him a funny wrestler? No, I'm uh, not see, sure. I would, would. argue a very, um, a very slight distinction. I mean, I don't know what name he uses when he's doing stand-up comedy, but I almost feel like saying Nick Nemeth or however you pronounce his name is a stand-up comedian. But Dolph Ziggler isn't. Dolph Ziggler's not a comedy character. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. But the point is, anyway, I think Zack Ryder is very entertaining, but funny is not something I'd necessarily label him, certainly on screen. 
I love I loved Z Long Island True Story thingy me Bobby. I thought it was great, but um, and I thought it was very wryly humorous, very cleverly humorous in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't think he's ever been that guy on TV. I never think I don't think he's ever got close to being that sort of character on TV. I think he's always been this gosh golly look how you know look how humble I am and look how sort of much of an underdog underdog I am against the system that's not a knock on him I'm talking specifically about his character um, and I just don't think it's ever been that way so no it's not it, I'm, I wouldn't classify him in this in this bracket at all okay and I think if you do Zack Ryder and you do the online series I think the natural place to go next is Colt Cabana yeah um, and I would I, and do you know what rinse and repeat I could say the exact same thing about Cabana as I said about Ryder um, I've, I've got a lot of time for Colt as a broadcaster as a podcaster um, and I don't have the same opinion on his the comedic side of his wrestling I just, it's just not that well developed compared to some of the other people who got on this list so um, no but I'm sure you're going to give me a long um, well thought out considered defence of his comedy right uh, let's move on to who should we do next <laughs> alright let's no, 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 I will I will, go... I will I will make mention of him because you know very very quickly because this is not about me um, those of you that don't know I had a bit of a falling out with Cole Cabana years and years and years ago he's probably completely forgotten about it um, there was certainly no antipathy from my perspective he felt I stitched him up in an interview which I didn't um, anyway, blah blah blah. By the by, that doesn't change how I feel about him as a as an act. And I, I felt like he was one of the better indie acts at the time. I felt he was horrifically misused as Scotty Goldman. Um, and I and I have enjoyed certain episodes of his podcast. I don't, I think he's more of a good podcaster because he gets good guests rather than him being a good interviewer. I think over the years when more bigger stars have started to do those podcasts. I think Jericho and Austin in particular are far, far better interviewers than Cabana is. Cabana tends to just let them talk. Um, but what I will say is that he did pioneer that. He was the first wrestler doing that sort of podcast. And, you know, in a similar way that Mick Foley wrote the book and then everyone else started writing books, I'm not convinced the Bruce Pritchard, Chris Jericho, Steve Austin, Jim Ross, Eric Bischoff, whoever else series of podcasts... I'm not sure they would have found their feet without Colt Cabana. I think he's a genuinely pioneering figure in that respect. Um, and I have found some of his stuff in the ring humorous, but it grates on me. And I thought Creative Has Nothing For You, or whatever it was called, was, was I thought it was rubbish. I thought it was genuinely not funny in the slightest. I, I think he started to get that little bit of a... I find there are some football referees who are good referees and then start to believe their own hype and start to become characters... Graham Pohl being the obvious one and I felt like Cabana was a genu genuinely funny guy and then the more people told him that it kind of went up his own backside a wee bit and he started to believe it a, a little touch so I wouldn't have him anywhere near this list but I do think I do think there have been times where he has made me laugh and I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did in the podcast world Fair enough Where do you want to go next? That was nicer than you expected me to be wasn't it? It was not actually no, because you're a very diplomatic guy, Rob. So I expected nothing less. You you're, not, you're not the sort of man who would spill bile. I think this is a good time because, because the last few that we've done have tended to be um, 
I won't say writing them off, but there have been ones that we've been almost skipping by. So I've got quite a lot like that. Shall we do a few of those? Shall we have a little bit of a, a purge of five or six that are on our list that we can get rid of Go quite on, quickly then. that I think deserve mentions? Again, it's more because of them being naturally funny and having moments here and there which are, uh, you know, have been funny, as opposed to them being, you know, amazing. Um, I would say Kevin Owens is a very funny guy um, when allowed yep. to be. And as you know, I think if he was given even more of that sort of stuff, would be would be great. I think he could have that thing that a lot of great stars have had, where they can be a serious guy that can do comedy. Um, although I wouldn't have him near this list. I think Ron Simmons had that to an extent, certainly later in his career when he was doing the damn thing. His timing on that was always brilliant. Um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, a similar sort of person to that. Um, I'd never ever ever got the Duggan character over the years. The okay tough guy USA brawler never liked it um, I was really annoyed about three years ago when I met him and he's one of the nicest men I've ever met because I wanted to hate him because <laughs> I've, I've never liked his act and I've always been he's always been a switch the TV off act to me but he was a lovely lovely man but when they later on in his WWE career they started to do some comedy with him I did think he was genuinely funny um, and then a slightly different act but one which I think sometimes had its moments possibly a little bit of a controversial one to choose because of its topic but uh, Eugene I thought there were times where the Eugene character was, was genuinely funny and I never felt some people felt it was uh, offensive because it, it, it portrayed a you know a, let's say a slightly diminished individual I, I disagree with that entirely I think it was a, a little bit like the, the Ricky Gervais show Derek I thought it was quite an endearing portrayal of someone that you know might have a, I a learning agree. difficulty I, I, I liked Eugene I thought it was a great act I, I completely, completely agree. I think for the first few months of that Eugene act, I think it was actually really well done. What people often make the mistake of when you've got a disabled character or someone at disadvantage like that, like they did with Derek, is just to say, oh, they're laughing at him. No. That did come later, let's be honest. It did not end well. But for those first few months, Eugene was not laughed at. He was the hero. He was the guy that overcame his disabilities and made fools of those that tried to make a fool of him um, on a consistent basis. Um, I think that Eugene character was fantastic, well-conceived, maybe slightly over the top and maybe slightly uh, insensitively portrayed, but the thought behind it was a good one. To go back to, and this is not the same type of character by any stretch, but to go back to a sitcom comparison... There are certain characters in a sitcom that can last a very, very, very long time because they're they're funny, but they're also rounded. Take a you know a, a Chandler in Friends, you know, or someone like that, or a Del Boy in Fools and Horses, where you know the character inside out. You can write hundreds of episodes for them because they're they're well rounded, but they're still funny. There are other characters that need to hit and run, and I would argue that someone like Lord Flashheart, played by Rick Mail in Blackadder is a wonderful character but he's basically in two episodes of out of 24 in Blackadder very very quickly but he's probably not on screen for more than half an hour combined but he's, a, he's an enduringly brilliant character but he had to be hit and run you probably couldn't have got away with any more than 12 episodes of Forty Towers because that's all you could do not only with um, Basil but also with Manuel sometimes characters can't last they, they have to do a certain amount you could argue that with David Brent um, you know the, the film yep. when he came back you know was nowhere near as good as they could have stuck to the 14 episodes of The Office and then, and then there is people like Partridge that can almost go on forever you know even though it seems like it's a one hit joke in the day to day it then became like five, six, seven, eight different series films books unbelievable one of the greatest comedy you know characters of all time 
Um, I would argue that the Eugene one had a shelf life, and it was a three-month act, and that was all what it was always going to be. In the same way that a lot of monster heels often Correct. are. You know, there was you know there are often lots of monster heels that come and go really really quickly because you can't do anything more than you know if you have a you know a, a Ryback you know or someone like that you know they can only come in batter people and then as soon as they lose they're done for and you know it's a different sort of kettle of fish in terms of um, Eugene but I liked Eugene and I think it's a very very you know underrated act but and I did find him funny but um, he's a he's a, a flick through um, reference here rather than anything else have you got a couple of your own that are in a similar sort of bracket um have a look I'm yeah there is a couple well, here's one that I would say is the same sort of idea Charlie Haas oh I've not even got him Charlie down. Haas I would say the exact same thing Charlie Haas was you know he was Charlie Haas of the of, of the world's greatest tag team not remotely funny then he started doing those impressions which were funny for five minutes very funny for five minutes and then they weren't and that was it so he burned he got something that worked for him really well it burned brightly and then it faded away so I think it's worth and I mentioned him almost to say that I almost to just acknowledge him um, I don't think he had the longevity he was a one note joke yeah yeah fair enough um, not quite the same thing but similar in terms of it uh, in terms of its, in terms of the kind of what I'm saying is someone someone has been around for a very very long time, but he did a similar sort of act for a short amount of time. And when you've seen him do other things, he's got comedy timing. Um, I'd throw in the Big Show. Yes, agreed. Yeah, because he had that little stint in me of doing the, the Hulk Hogan rip off, and did he do the? I think he did the Scottish. What's the Scottish character from Austin Powers? Is he called Fat Bastard? Is that what he's Fat called? Fat Bastard. He did a bit of that. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a little, you know, he did show Kishi. He was, he was, you know, ripping off other people's gimmicks and, and having fun with it. And I think he's probably a naturally fun. I've not seen the Big Show show on Netflix. So I'm not sure anyone has. Um, but I get the feeling that if you spent, you know, five hours on a train or on a bus traveling somewhere with Paul White, I think the time would pass quite quickly. I think he'd be really good company. I think he'd be one of the funnier people in the pub. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes, I agree completely. Yeah. He's um, he was very funny when he got given his chance, but he just never. I don't know. Yes, you, you know what? I couldn't put it any better than you. He's a very he's a conversationally very entertaining and and good raconteur, but it never really translated to out and out hugely funny humour on screen in a way that say Daniel Bryan and Kane did. Kane's not as funny a guy, but he's funnier. Yeah, if I, that makes any sense. It, it absolutely does. Um, I think Glenn Jacobs probably isn't as funny as Paul White, but Kane is somehow funnier than the Big Show. Um, there's an idea there you go. There. Uh, a, a guilty pleasure. You're not going to probably agree with this, and I certainly wouldn't push for him on the five. I got a kick for a couple of months out of Perry Saturn. Mm, I wouldn't agree with that. No, I didn't think you would. Somehow, and again, I could. I almost disagree with myself, you know. But somehow there was just a little bit of you know. That's, I mean, it's a very crude concept, isn't it? He got a bang on the head and started saying silly things. But, you know, he would say something like, you know, um, pigeons love chickens and give them crayons because they love them. You're welcome, or whatever it was. It was a complete drivel, but for somehow it made me laugh. But uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, give it any more than that uh, 23 seconds worth of uh, chat that we've just done. Um, okay, one I'm going to ask you one now because it's someone that you're much more familiar with than me. 
uh, and has also managed to spread out from wrestling into other things. Tell me a bit more, Paul, about Grado. Grado. Well, he's certainly on my list. Um, I think Grado is just one of those... You know, we talk about people who are naturally funny, and I think Grado is one of those guys. I think, you know, I've been in his presence. He's an engaging bloke, funny bloke, comes very easily to him. But the difference between that and, say, Paul White that we mentioned, he's managed to parlay that into a very funny character. Um, he's the fall guy. He's the um, he's the best mate. He's the, um, the Zach Gillifranikis in The Hangover, for instance. Um, but he he stole the show, as Grado would do. I, you know, I'd, I'd say Grado, if used the right way in... in um, WWE would be hilariously funny you know imagine for instance as Drew McIntyre's inept friend um, you know we would be he, w- he wouldn't be the star but he'd be very funny comic relief um, you'd get some emotional pathos out of every now and again I just think he's great I think he's I think he manages to do the comedy but in an endearing lovable star making way on his own in his own platform and I think he knows what he is he knows his limitations and and I think he plays into that incredibly well. So I, I think he's an incredibly naturally funny guy, an incredibly warm character, um, and used in a mostly in a very good way, except his stint with TNA, where he was left to be very flat-footed. That's is, my impression of Grado. So Grado's in there for me. This is one of those very strange examples where I know more about this person through non-wrestling stuff. Um, and that is not to say that I'm a regular viewer of Scott Squad that he's, he's in, but... Um, whenever I've seen clips of that online I think it's funny and I think he's funny in it I've seen plenty of clips of him in interviews um, he was in one just the other week um, and I'm trying to desperately to remember who it was that had given him a message but he was like, absolutely overwhelmed that there was someone very famous that was giving him a, uh, a little message I was actually with uh, Steve Linsky uh, the wrestling polymath Steve Linsky a few years ago uh, at one of those um, Comic Con convention style things in Birmingham uh, doing a little bit of business that never actually came off um, but uh, while I was there Linsky showed me a video because th- at that Comic Con had been Paul Gascoigne the footballer one of Grado's great heroes right. and it was Grado's birthday and Linsky had done a video with Paul Gascoigne saying hello to Grado and sent it to Grado and Grado turned him one back like literally crying his eyes out he was so made up by the fact that Gazza had sent him this message and that was less about Grado being funny but it's more the fact that Linsky thought enough of Grado to, to do that and he's one of those people that everyone I've ever met that talks about the, the human being I actually don't know his real name um, but you know it's Graham something I think isn't it um, but yeah. whenever anyone talks about him as a human being he seems really really liked everyone seems to love him and find him a really lovable natural fella and that actually he is one of those great examples of the character of Grado he's just him but dialed up a wee bit um, and I've, like I said, I've seen him on other things as opposed to actual I haven't seen a lot of him actually wrestling I didn't really see a great deal of world of sport um, you know I've not you know engaged with him on that sort of level but whenever I've seen him I found him very funny um, and whatever I gain from other people so I don't think the, the level of fame is a, is a barrier on this list if you think he's worthy of the chat at the end I'm, I'm okay with that yeah, I think he's certainly going to be a contender. Good. I'm desperately trying to remember who it was. It was un- like literally only just a, a few weeks ago. I saw him on something, and someone had they'd got someone to record an interview in a, a sorry a reference in an interview. Um, that's really really annoying. It was someone dead famous. Um, I'll come back to that. I'm sure. Uh, okay. Is there anyone else that uh, you'd like to bring up as a, as a genuine contender? 
I've got a ton of genuine contenders, mate. How high up the scale do you want me to go? Are we going to pull out some main eventers? Fire one in. Fire one in. Okay. Okay. Let's fire one in. Right. Let's go with a big boy. Or one I think is going to be a big boy anyway. Let's go with Rockstar Spud. Well, actually, that's a really good one to go to next, isn't it? Because that's a similar sort of thing out of the um, out of the British envelope. Uh, you know, indeed, similar sort of thing in terms of going to TNA, doing uh, TNA British Boot Camp. Uh, I absolutely love Rockstar Spud or Drake Maverick, as we should probably give him his name now. H- hilarious guy. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, I'll, I'll elaborate. Yeah, please do. Very funny guy. A stu- clearly a student of comedy. Um, in every sense, you get the impression that what James does, sorry, uh, what he does is, or Drake Maverick does, is he, I don't know why I call him rock stars, but actually that's weird, isn't it? He's been Drake Maverick for years now. Um, and probably funnier as Drake Maverick. But he again absolutely excels in every situation he's put into as a comedic guy because he knows where he needs to be in that part so the stuff he was doing with R-Truth I despise the 24-7 belt I think it's the most pointless pathetic attempt at humorous time-wasting nonsense as I've ever seen in wrestling that said Rockstar's but Drake Maverick made it work his segments with that belt were all so funny, so earnest. He was that. He was that desperate, creepy little slime ball that wanted this title to his own ends. But ultimately, he was so funny and timed everything so right and got the tone of everything perfect that you actually felt desperately sorry for him. In a way, he was like Roadrunner, wasn't he? But Roadrunner mixed with, I don't know, um, Alan Partridge. Um, I just and and you know he plays the sidekick role so well um, to the point where you just can't help but root for him all the time. I think he gen- he's he's the most other than one name we'll come to in a little while who shares a nationality. I think he's the most subtly funny man in wrestling history. There's nothing big and bold and brash about his comedy. His best bits are very very subtle, and I think he's an absolutely wonderful example of it. So he's going to be a lot for me. I saw a match years ago. Um... And it was less less comedy, but just more brilliant character work and timing. And I don't remember the other four people that were in it, but it was a six-man tag. It was in Wolverhampton, and it was a six-man tag. And on one team was Spud. I think it was just called Spud then. He might have been Rockstar Spud, but I think it was just Spud. Spud on one team with a with a tag team. It might have been it might have been Kirby and Travis actually thinking about it. Um, what were they called? Project Ego. Um, I think it, it might have been them. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. It was, it was Spud plus two against uh, Dave Mastiff plus two he might even have been called Dave Morales that's how long ago it was but it was Big Dave the Bastard plus two against Spud plus two and the entire match was predicated on Dave trying to get his hands on Spud and he never could and he never could and Spud only tagged in when the heels were on the offence and he got a few shots in and every time Dave tagged in he ran away and the entire match was played on that and then when they finally got in the ring together Dave hit one clothesline one, two, three. That was it. But it was absolutely brilliant. The entire crowd, I've seen the entire crowd, 500 people in Wolverhampton Civic Hall, but everyone that was there absolutely bought the story and he played it so well, running away from trouble, running away from trouble. No, not Dave, not Dave. And he would do it. It was the most chicken shit heel you've ever seen in your life. 
and then he, he just sold one clothesline like it had murdered him and you know that was the first time I really saw him up close and I just thought what a great act um, I saw someone called Kenny Omega on that show as well and I thought he was quite good as well and he turned out to be alright did you really? Um, in about 2008 I think it was 2007, 2008 um, but uh you know, I just thought he's this timing. He gets it, and you know, we worked with. Well, you've you've known him, you know, a lot, lot better than me. But we worked with him a couple of years ago, didn't we? When we had the Bruce Pritchard um, tour, um, and we had Spud as a as a surprise guest at our Birmingham show, and he just came on and he took over, but in the best of ways. He, you know, Bruce, Bruce was happy to work with him. I thought that was a good sign that Bruce thought a lot of him. Um, and Spud came in and and messed around and sold some comedy stuff and asked about in character and did something out of character and the fans liked him Bruce liked him and he just he, the guy's just a performer yeah. he's one of those He some people are just performers to the absolute core and I just get the feeling that again I go back to that thing of being in a pub I think if there were six or seven people in a pub one night the more people that would come in the more he would just play up to them and have fun and make them laugh and here's the key to comedy as well he has no problem with being made to look a fool and you know there's no, e- there's no ego there in terms of the character there's no well I don't want to be made to look silly I don't want to be made to look this if it gets a laugh if it does what it's intended to do I will do it and, and, and that's to me to be seems to be his thing but again the cool thing we've talked a lot about other people on this we've talked about Team Hell No we've talked about Imagine um, Christian we've talked about others who still have the heart to their character still have the, the drawing power of the character and you know what when they fired Drake Maverick was that earlier this year or was it late last year when he was fired when he was, it was released, earlier this year when he was released and he made that thing a story and he made it into something where on TV you know he was able to have a redemption and he got it that was over that was properly over and he made that happen you know um, that might have been a clever storyline all along but I'm not sure he made that happen he made people care about him so he might be funny he might be a fool guy but he can in the drop of a hat make people care and that is everything about wrestling because the next person I want to talk about is one that I think is genuinely funny but I am not convinced he has people completely caring about him and it's our truth. Ah, yes. Um, people seem to love him, don't you? But it's very broad humour. Now, this is why I'm going to have to separate the subjective and the objective. He is not to my taste, humour-wise, at all. Um, I never understood the little Jimmy bit. I never understood the whole, oh, my bad, my bad thing, which was funny once and then wasn't. Um, but people absolutely love it um, and it's saved his career it's gave, give him longevity it's it's clearly very popular so he is clearly a very successful comedic wrestler you're right in that people don't absolutely feel what he does to their core but they do appreciate him performing for them um, I just don't feel it it's not my it's not my bag if it was my list of my five favourites, he wouldn't go on. But because it's a list of five best, I think he's definitely worthy of consideration. We had a load of comments. We had lots of comments this week, actually, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and I think he was... I would say he was the one that was mentioned the second most behind someone else that we will mention in a wee bit. Uh, Luke Lovelock um, mentioned R-Truth. Uh, just flicking through. Be- uh, Brahma Mahanti drew uh, R-Truth. Surely has to be up there. Um, what else have we got then? Um, 
There's a couple there for Grado I've skipped over, which I might come back to in a bit. Trev Moulton, this is what I was looking for. Trev Moulton, he says, um, I've got to admit that R-Truth is nailing it at the minute. He is the Sasha Baron Cohen of pro wrestling in that he's fully invested in his character, including in social media videos he posts in his social life. Um, and uh, Jacob responds to that and says, I never thought I'd hear Sasha Baron Cohen used for a WWE reference, but I do love them both. Um, plenty of other people that mentioned R-Truth. Aiden Froud was one of them uh, as well. Uh, that said uh, R-Truth it did come up on several occasions um, that people like him I never got the Little Jimmy stuff particularly I think R-Truth is one of those people that I do find him funny I think he is naturally funny but I think oftentimes his material is crap it's very low common denominator it's very um, cartoony it's very silly yeah. I do particularly remember there was one little thing do you remember there was a Royal Rumble that he came into and he, and he set up a ladder and he climbed it yep. as if it was a ladder yeah, match. Funny shit. I like that. I thought that was very funny. Um, you know, mm. I, that, that 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 was. I thought that was much cleverer. That was a, uh, you know, more of a, a, a piece of subtle humour. But generally speaking, I find it a bit obvious and a bit silly. But yes, he has to be talked about because he has been. He might be the longest-lasting comedy character because pretty much his whole career has been comedy, hasn't it? There's not been... A, I mean, there was the, the truth on killings in the early days of TNA. But even when he came in as K-Quick, it wasn't comedy, but it was, you know, it was very light-hearted with, with, um, uh, with Road Dog, And then the, the, almost the whole R-Truth era, there's been the odd, you know, the truth has set me three, you know, thing. But generally speaking, it's been silly comedy, hasn't it? With, with The Miz or with whomever yes. else, the Little Jimmy stuff, you know, the, the 24-7 title. And, you know, I mean, what is he? The guy's like 73 or something, isn't he? You know, he's in amazing shape. He's been around forever. Um, but it's it has been successful for a long time, and that, that has to be to his credit as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I say, I'm not disparaging his achievements. It's not my taste, but I, I certainly think we should be discussing him at the end. Yeah, I do as well. Um, there's, while we're doing that, another one that's not really to my taste, um, and certainly something I've never really liked, that he tries to snap in and out of serious stuff here and there. But what's your feelings towards Eric Young? My feeling is I don't find him that funny at all. No, I don't find him funny either. I've never really got the Eric Young thing. I think he's much less successful than than our truth. Well, I've never understood with Eric Young is first of all when he was a comedy character in TNA that he was absolutely ripped, and it always seemed to me like what, like for example, the P.T. Williams gimmick of being like a little Scott Steiner warranted him being you know having a big body and whatever. But Eric Young always seemed to have a, this this really weird ripped. You know, muscly, you know, outlook, and that was, that, that was never his character. He would have looked much funnier if he was weedy or fat. Um, I'm not saying he should make himself that just for the comedy, but that always never really quite worked. And it was always a bit too silly and a bit over the top. And then they would suddenly click their fingers, and he was the serious world elite guy, or he was the serious sanity guy. And it was I just I've never ever got it. Um, I wanted to bring him up because most of his career has been, you know, predicated around trying to make people laugh, but um, I've just never got it. Um, I wanted to mention another one which I want to say no to which is um, I think people find him funny for the wrong reasons which is the Iron Shake you know uh, to me it's not a funny wrestler not a funny it's wrestler it's not even his DM not, not a funny wrestler it's not even him who does Twitter it's not certainly not him who does his Twitter but again people say oh what a funny guy and I'm like well aren't you laughing at a you know slightly a foreigner that's slightly losing it isn't that isn't that his you know his comedy passport as it were I'm not, I, I think it's the wrong route to go down no not not in consideration for me me too Bing 
someone else that was brought up a couple of times actually on Facebook and uh, and Twitter when referred to as being a funny character and I suppose again Eye of the Beholder and stuff but a couple of people mentioned Doink and to me there's yeah two, I saw that there's two Doinks oh okay there's lots of Doinks that we'd play under the <laughs> when it was multiple characters what I'm saying is there was the heel doink mostly portrayed by Matt Bourne and there was the baby face doink mostly mostly played by Ray Apollo and I would say heel doink successful should have been better than it was in hindsight you know you look back on it and realise what a good character it was baby face doink really really stupid and over the top possibly funny if you were six but you know once you'd got past you know uh, infants that I don't think it was funny anymore. And so I, I don't really get how Doink can be considered funny. Because heel Doink isn't even trying to be funny. It's trying to be sinister. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's a, it's a clown character. It's not funny at all. But then clowns are generally supposed no, to be really... funny, but it's an inversion. The heel Doink yeah. is an inversion, and it's not funny. And then Babyface Doink is trying to be funny, but he's just, you know, being a clown and popping balloons and throwing pretend buckets of water and stuff. And so. I just think, to me, it doesn't even qualify. It's, just, it's not a funny character. Agreed. Not even in the consideration. Next up, Santino Marella. Where do you stand on him? Exactly the same place I stand with Truth. Really? Okay. In short, yeah. I think he's. I think he's funny. I think he's amusing, but it's so simple straightforward human there's no subtlety or no, I, dis- I, don't I, I strongly disagree with that I strongly okay. disagree with that I think Santino did a lot especially early Santino I think once we get into <laughs> I can't believe I'm giving eras to Santino Morella um, <coughs> but you've kind of got very 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 early Milan Miracle underdog babyface Santino which lasted about three weeks before everyone was fed up of it then you've got yeah. Um, oblivious you know witless Santino who was with Maria and then you've got Cobra era Santino babyface I would say that little bit in between um, that little bit in between where you've got Santino being natural so not natural but being a heel that's oblivious but getting laughs is is really 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 good stuff but it was so good it turned in babyface and then they did what they almost always do which they went for easy silly babyface laughs with stuff like the Cobra but if you go to that era where he's with Maria and he's got that stupid mohawk haircut and and he was doing the, the greatest intercontinental champion thing of all time and talking about the honky tonk man the hon- bring on the honker meter it's honestly it was such good stuff it's really genuinely funny Fair enough. I've got nothing more to add. Okay. I don't. Not a funny guy. Not a funny guy to me in terms of my personal taste. But again, like truth, I can understand the majority did. The masses found him funny, and I appreciate the skill of doing that. But um, for me, it was just it was just silly. And there's a difference between funny and silly. Uh, yeah, true. But I, I I think there is. Like I say, I think there are separate eras there. I think for a long time. Um, I, I particularly remember a line about um, he was doing something with Rey Mysterio and he said there's only two people two two kinds of people that wear a mask and it's cowards and the Batman and you sir are not the Batman there was just he had a brilliant comic timing with him and it was I think it was well written and it was um, 
it was nicely put together but I just think I think it's ultimately remembered too much for the for the Cobra stuff which you know never really had it but I, I, I just I think as, as a naturally funny man you know he might be near to the top of this list um, uh, I'm a bit surprised I'm a bit disappointed but uh, I will I will heed it it's only it's only fair it's only uh, the right way of doing <laughs> stuff let's let, let's have one from your side then um, let's go with let's go with Eddie Guerrero oh crikey I've not even got him down I've never even thought of Eddie Eddie Guerrero what do you think um, I'm in a little bit of a similar position to what you just said about Santino in the sense that again it's about getting a character isn't it and I always got that Eddie was a great wrestler I always got that he had bundles of charisma I always got that he was I liked light hearted have fun Eddie I didn't like lie cheek steal Eddie because I've always been of the opinion that the baby face should be honourable and even though Austin transgressed and broke rules and stunned people and broke rules he did it for generally the right reason it was like his, his way of going about things was almost like a you know they're not allowed a union so he would go on strike in his own way and ruin things in his own way but only because he felt like it was for the right cause Eddie was a cheat and you know didn't win fairly and I get why that was entertaining but it always bothered me that that was the wrong thing to be as a baby face and I've always liked my baby face to be a bit more traditional ergo I've never massively got Eddie I've always liked the nastier Eddie I liked uh I liked Eddie with China, funny, funny enough. I liked Latino Heat Eddie, um, both from a heel and then when he went to a sort of like fun-loving babyface version of that. Uh, and then I've liked his sort of nasty side heel. I've, whenever they've tried to go for a sort of comedy, as in he pretends to be hit by a chair and then falls down and puts the chair in someone else's hands, that sort of stuff. I don't know. He's never made me laugh. I, I can't ever think of too many moments where I cannot think of a single Eddie Guerrero moment that's made me laugh. That's basically what I'm saying. Fair enough. Um, yeah, all right, um, I. You know what? I'm cheating it here now because I I can't. <laughs> I can't. You know, I just think he's naturally funny bloke. So I will. I'll definitely bow out on that one because he's not coming close to the ones on the list. No, fair enough. Um, here's here's one that someone is one of those people that you might not have thought about for a long time, uh, but certainly a couple of different characters or versions of his character that would be considered funny certainly would never be you know, a massively serious character what about Damien Sandow no really? but, uh, he's another flash in the pan another no. flash in the pan uh, had a great well, character look, for five I, minutes and that was it agree that he might be a flash in the pan but we also agreed that if someone was very 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 funny then they would be con- do you not think that the Damien Mizdow stuff was, was, was hilarious and got over uh, yes I do it was very funny and very over and then it wasn't and he's done absolutely nothing since uh, no well I agree, agree that he's done nothing since I think he um, I think he warrants a lot more um, in terms of what he actually did because I think that the, I thought Damien Sandow you know was a good character that again had that that air of being massively over the top that could get his comeuppance you could laugh at how pompous he was um, and that he would he would then play the fool when he was showing up but then he managed to be even sillier as Damien Mizdow and get people loving him. The way that they dealt with that, the way they concluded that, I thought was very, very poor. 
and I thought that he really could have he could have been a much bigger character a much bigger um, person of importance to the company had they dealt with that in the right way um, I think I, I think he goes down as a bit of a missed opportunity um, potentially but like I say I suppose the proof is what's he done since and uh, the, his track record since is extremely poor so maybe they just propped him up far more than he was able to be no you're probably right he hasn't done it elsewhere it is it is a fair point I just think for his, his short time when given the chance uh, I thought he was entertaining I thought it was a good character and I think I think he the man himself has got the ability but you, you're right if he's gone elsewhere and it's not really worked then that is probably fair I tell you someone for whom it has worked wherever he's been it probably was what first brought him to everyone's attention his ability uh, on the microphone his charisma his character look countless times in WCW in WWE and even now in AEW I give you Mr. Chris Jericho <laughs> You can give me Mr. Chris Jericho all day long, mate. There are going to be few guys that get ahead of Chris Jericho on this list. Well, where do we start? Well, that's part of what a good place to start is, is at the beginning, or certainly the beginning of where I became familiar with Chris Jericho, and that was in WCW. You, know, you remember watching Jericho in, what would it be, maybe 96, back in the 96 into 97, and he was bland as bland can be just you know Lionheart Chris Jericho do goody baby face you know, there was a wash and repeat there was a dozen of them in WCW at the time then he got the top knot then he got Ralphus then he became fantastic and it was all through comedy it was all through sort of making himself look like a pompous ass and he was he was absolutely phenomenal and to be honest he hasn't strayed too far from that um, from that path since he's obviously got more serious at points during his career but it all has it's always come back to some form of comedy um, and I think he's been absolutely wonderful in you know various different types of comic situations throughout the years you know he's had he's been he has been the bumbling clown he has been the the guy who's been the antagonist I guess when he's going at Stephanie McMahon and various others across the years and then you get the modern day Jericho that is just you know the theatre of the absurd I suppose if you will in a really good way um, mate he is, he's a versatile funny funny absolute consummate entertainer there's not not much more I can add to that but it's a big thumbs up from me in the similar way to most of the people that are ending up on our medium list for, as we say it's not necessarily the things he says or the material that he's given or the material he comes up with it's the delivery it's just it's just having funny bones it's just having a way of putting yourself across like the most recent for example of that is really um the the line a little bit of the bubbly which I suspect yes. was not created. I don't think anyone sat around a table going, I tell you what we'll do today. We'll say this and this will be, you know, a T-shirt and this will be a meme and this will be successful. I suspect as he was walking along, he saw a bottle of champagne and totally ad-libbed it. But the way he said it just struck a chord and was just funny. And it was the Jericho character. He is one of those perfect examples of 
the, it's a cliche, but the thing that people talk about the the real life character or the real life person, and then the character being that person, you know, with some of the filters this is different and with the dials turned up. And you know, Chris Jericho is not the same as Chris Irving. Chris Irving is a different sort of person, but no. um, Jer- that, is, that is the Jericho. That is the sort of theatrical side of him. Um, and he has the ability to do little bits like that and he knows his own character sometimes I think it's important to note the people who have created their own character um, you know that's not necessarily their name or their, their gimmick rights or their um, what's the word I'm looking for but their you know, they're, they're not the copyright not all those kind of things the, no, intellect, the intellectual, intellectual property. property not that sort of thing but the fact that what, what makes Chris Jericho Chris Jericho has been there from the very start and it's evolved through the thrill seekers through Japan through Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain through Mexico through you know ECW and beyond and it's it, there is a linear progression to all of that and he's learned and he's added and he's tweaked and he's and he's done all sorts of things to his character as time has gone on but no one knows it better than him it's not like someone wrote I mean maybe that's the, the difference with someone like Damien Sandow that we just talked about maybe Damien Sandow was invented by yeah. a writer on Raw you know, Damien Sandow, Damien Mizdow or whatever maybe a Raw writer came up with that maybe a Smackdown booker came up with that maybe someone in the performance centre oh, it might have been him, I'm not giving him any stick but it might not have been him that came up with that and so once you're given a different character you're not able to do it so well um, I'll tell a personal story with, with Jericho is that I, I worked with Chris a few years ago um, when I was working for PSI events and I was hosting um, live shows Q&As, um, meet and greets etc and we'd already brought over Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Jim Ross we'd done those shows and then we got Jericho off the back of getting Shawn actually um, Shawn put in a word for us and spoke to Jericho and, and Jericho was happy to do it he'd, he'd, he'd done a couple of shows with other people but this was the first one he did with us and I remember the, the promoter Paul saying to me um, you know would I host it and I said you don't need a host you, you know Jericho can do it himself and he said no no I'd still like you to do it and hold it together and, and whatever and listen all I did was repeat some questions really introduce him on stage and, and repeat some questions because Chris was completely comfortable with it all um, he was very good to work with. He was he was he was very humble and, and helped me out and was, was cool. But I didn't need to be there that night. And what we did was essentially he did a show for the first half of the show. Then we had an interval and then we did some Q and A in the second half. And Chris Jericho telling stories in the first half was as close as I have ever seen anybody to stand up com- comedy that's not a stand up comedian. You know the, the way right. he tells he didn't tell entertaining stories. He told comic anecdotes. There is a difference. This was this was more of a storytelling akin to, you know, a, a Billy Connolly or a, you know, an, an anecdotal comedian, you know, telling these little stories. And he came up with little um, asides as well. He kept talking about Kurt Angle being looking like a thumb, with, with his bald head and his mm. wide neck. And he drew a little um, face on his thumb, and he, he kept bringing Kurt Angle into it. But it, but he was there were callbacks as well. He would bring up a thumb and bring up Kurt and. It was just there were very very clever ways in which he would he would do it all, and he'd thought about it, put effort into it. And I also remember saying to him, this might even have been on stage, if you were to go to a, a dinner party, Chris, and you were to meet someone, they would go, oh hello, I'm so and so and so, this is what I do for a living. Who are you? You say hello, my name's Chris. What would you say that you do? What's your job? And he didn't really give a straight answer because actually he's the only person you'll ever meet, certainly from the wrestling world, as well as people like The Rock have done in you know in in terms of acting and as well as other people have done in various different worlds Chris Jericho is legitimately a wrestler and a television host and a singer and a podcaster and you know and he's done uh, comedy improv classes with the groundlings 
um, and he's done on, been on Dancing with the Stars, and it's like he can do it all. It's like, he genuinely can do it all, and it's not blowing smoke, and it's not you know going into this. He's got so much ability to do absolutely anything that he can turn his hand to and it all comes down to the thing that we're talking about it's his timing some of it comic but some of it just being a, being quick on his feet he's an intelligent man and but I think the fir- the thing that first brought him to the dance as people say was the comedy stuff and I'm not sure without it I think without it you know with the greatest respect to Lance Storm who had a fantastic career is tremendously well respected in the industry and still is as a pundit and as a trainer with the greatest respect to Lance Storm, he, you know, he, Lance Storm's probably a better wrestler than Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho is yep. by far the end better entertainer. And without the entertainment side of Jericho's career, if he hadn't have shown that comic timing, he's probably had the same sort of career as Lance Storm. If not, actually, probably a bit worse because Lance was more fundamental. Um, you know, that is Jericho's a great wrestler. He's had some unbelievably good wrestling matches. But first and foremost, he's a character. And if he'd have injured himself at the age of 22, he could still have forged a, a life for himself in wrestling if he'd have wanted to, oh, because he's got the ability. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I think he's just everything he's ever touched, he's turned to gold, hasn't he? Like in the entertainment sphere. Um, as you said, if he wasn't a wrestler, there's a very good chance we'd have still heard of Chris Jericho. I think he becomes the the second one that we've talked about so far we'll, we'll move sort of team hell no slightly to one side because we talked about them as a team rather than the two individuals I think Jericho becomes the first addition to this list other than Edge and Christian who mm. absolutely can do both as in can be the comedy figure but can immediately switch and be serious and actually one helps the other in many ways and, and has you know, built the character up because other people that I've put through so far, you might disagree, and you might have other people on your list. But so far, I've put through to the next stage to talk be talked about in a second. Uh, the Hurricane, Grado, Spud, R Truth. I'm not saying that they do not have the ability um, to do other things, but they are primarily known as comedy characters. You know, as we, we've established, you know, just now that you're not a big Santino fan, I would probably have Santino on that yeah. list as well. But it would still, it would still fit the same bracket. They're they're comedic characters that will occasionally wrestle, but actually, if you never saw them wrestle again, you know, they're still fulfilling their their property. The property's not the right word, but fulfilling what they the end that they hold up. But as I'm soon as Edge it. or Christian or Jericho stops wrestling, they will still have the ability to con- contribute to the wrestling industry. But you will say, God, I miss them wrestling. Uh, correct yeah and that is the difference it's um, if they weren't funny they'd still be great wrestlers and if they weren't wrestlers they'd still be very funny um, they've got both strings of the bow where you know admittedly some of the other guys will mention just don't don't quite have that uh, multi-dimensional aspect to them but whilst we're talking about that why don't we talk about another guy who probably personifies that more than more than anyone really um, in my opinion that's Kurt Angle yeah yeah, I mean you have to you have to go there, don't you? And it's you know we just mentioned him as soon as I mentioned him that, that Jericho had brought him up in the in his stand up if you want to call it that. Then you know I knew that was where we, we we ought to go next. Again, it's all about timing with with Kurt Angle. It's not he's probably less he's a less funny man than, than Chris Jericho. I've met Kurt and in real life Kurt is a, right. no, a nice fella, but he doesn't make you laugh. You know, you're not around, you've been around Kurt more than me, but he's not a kind. Of, he's not full of witticisms, and he's not full of one-liners no, or you know taking the fun out of people. If Kurt Angle did a one-man show, he'd be telling you very earnest stories about his time 
you know, in the Olympics and, and so forth. Whereas Jericho's instinct is to make you laugh. Kurtz wouldn't be. Kurtz's instinct would be to be earnest. But what Kurtz's got going for him is he's, an hell of, he's, a, he's a really good actor. I'm actually surprised that Kurt hasn't done a bit more um, in, in acting, you know, in, in terms of... Um, you know wow. his career because I, I think he's got the ability to he Kurt, you know Kurt could do sitcom you know he, he's got that sort of quirkiness about him um, but his de- his delivery of a line I suppose you could say that his stint as Raw general manager not that long ago he wasn't quite himself um, he wasn't as good as he used to be so uh, exactly. maybe it's a few few dings on the head have, have not necessarily helped him there but certainly in his prime um, he was brought in as a dual character because they pushed him to the earth the ends of the earth as this Olympic um, medalist Olympic gold medalist legitimate athlete but from day one he was he was playing the comedy heel you know the the, the abstinence the three A's you know the, the, the whining about losing matches or taking the mick out of the opponent or the, the city he was in and it just came with this astounding level of timing and ability to again almost completely deadpan I mentioned Leslie Nielsen earlier on there was Kurt Angle wasn't playing any of those things for laughs he was doing absolutely straight but it was getting laughs and just that is an uncanny ability I think it's it speaks volumes for him in that like you say he's not a naturally funny guy he's not a charismatic guy particularly but when he's in front of the camera, he just has this natural instinct on how to be humorous and how to say exactly the right thing at the right time. And and let's be honest, like, you know, if you saw Kurt Angle at the Olympics, and I didn't pay any attention at the time, but I've seen a lot of it subsequently, there's not a funny bone in his body. There's no comedic side to his story. It's, it's very, very straight. And you can only imagine when he comes in... Um, you know, that's that's the intention as a very straight up old school Olympic wrestler but whether by look or by judgment there was a different vision and he came in like you said as a very funny character as a very sort of faux earnest character that really played into that you know that oh shucks you know, um, you know Olympic hero thought he was the you know he basically thought he was the most popular guy in the world didn't he but you know he, he clearly wasn't and that was what fed that initial comedy and he just took it from there and he, every, everything he did but for me the highlight was that stuff in 2001 where he and Steve Austin were injured and it was just all a bunch of silly improv but my god it was funny like and you can't imagine trained comedians doing stuff to a much higher standard and what I loved about Angle is that comedy took absolutely nothing away from how seriously he took him in the ring has there ever, you know, Chris Jericho is probably the best other example, but has there been, ever been any character in wrestling who has that switch from high comedy to vicious um, in-ring ability, and really vicious as well, not like, you know, you know, he's an Olympic wrestler and wrestles as such. You know, it's like, it's like Ken Shamrock-style wrestling. There was such a contrast, but you believed it always, didn't you? Because there was such a through, there was such a through line, and you knew that you know, Kurt was a funny character, but the minute he went between those ropes, humour's over, and you bought you bought it. There was no question. I think that says so much for him as a character, um, and the way he was booked, and his comic ability. Um, I think he was. I think he was the most 
he, you know, with, an, with the possible exception of one guy we might touch on in a minute, I think he was the funniest main eventer of all time. It's a, it's a very, it's a very fair, it's a very fair comment, um, and it's uh, it's one we will, we will take in, you know, take into consideration. I think when you look at the being able to to flick that switch, that's a that's a a, should, a lot of credit should go to how he was introduced, um, not just to him in terms of his ability, but he was introduced in the right way. Had, had he been introduced as someone you've never heard of, um, that was you know just this up and coming guy that had a bit of quirkiness about him it wouldn't have worked um, and uh, in fact you know do you know what I'm not saying he's in the same league as Kurt Angle on any, any way around but see Chad Gable aka Shorty G and now back to, hopefully back to Chad Gable again as Olympian you know people made the connection with Kurt Angle before anyone even tried to but there is that there isn't that sort of charisma there he needs to rely on his wrestling he needs to rely on the you know the there was a natural charisma in the ring as American Alpha but there was nothing when they tried to do the, the speaking parts and nope. no matter how much you dress him in neon and give him a headband and a stupid name it ain't going to work now I actually think that Kurt probably could have pulled off Shorty K you know if they'd have done that with Kurt Angle he could have pulled it off we'd have all gone this is witless and they should be doing Kurt Angle but he could have pulled off Shorty K if they, would, if they had gone that way that's how good Kurt Angle is yeah, agreed. He's, de- he's definitely in this shortlist, isn't he? So, um, who's next for you? Well, when you said he's no doubt the funniest main eventer, you you stumbled as if there would be at least one person that could compete. I actually think there's a couple um, that would be mm. considered main eventers that would compete. I'll I'll go with the obvious one first of all because um, I think he's the in terms of entertainment, he's the one that people go to first. I have to go to The Rock. Yeah. Yeah, I knew we were going there. The Rock's a funny one for me in that I don't really consider him a comedian. I find him entirely, massively, massively entertaining, but not all that funny. Like, I don't... I think he's just a brash, charismatic charmer really I suppose what he does is charm people for me and it's an easygoing way of being and acting and talking and interacting with fans that gets people absolutely on his side and eating out of his hands but I don't consider what he does funny I just think it's excellent at what it is I wouldn't have him on this list this is, the, this is the one that I knew I was going to find the most difficult and frankly you've not helped me um, by essentially agreeing with me, I wanted you to be a bit. Str- <laughs> I wanted you to be a bit stronger on that. I wanted you to come right. through a little bit harder in terms of thinking. No, he's absolutely amazing, and you've you've got to go with him because, you know, I kind of feel the same. And I have to put. I am also aware that I am not always in tune with the world, um, particularly mm. the wrestling world. And I would say, for example, every time, not every time, but almost every time that he locked eyes and verbally jousted with John Cena over a two or three year period building up to to essentially three WrestleMania main events I pretty much always felt that Cena got the best of him I felt that Cena was wittier I thought Cena seemed nicer I thought he seemed more charming more with it certainly more mature because I always find Rock's humour tends to go towards genitals or people being gay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's always been that sort of 
um, that I find very direct, quite childish humour. And I always thought, well, Cena is just owning this guy. And that's not what the fans seem to say. The fans still rejected Cena. The fans all said, oh, I wish it could be the, um, you know, back to the old days like The Rock. And it's like, you know what, I think if you go back and you watch um, you know, the, as what is always referred to as the Attitude Era, and when the, you know, the Rock was on top and whatever, I'm not sure... I'm not sure it really stands up. I think it seems no, quite dated and quite... I'm going to say it, I think a lot of it's quite homophobic. And it's... I think in, in 2020 you go back and go, I'm not sure about a lot of this material. I don't think it's very funny. And it's like... You're right, the, the guy is obviously one of the most charismatic men on earth. And that is not yes. an exaggeration. There is just an absolute star quality. And, and that, that is a real thing with people. And I know there's often the kind of the cliche about the wrestler walking through the airport and people, you know, realizing their size or whatever. But you have a very, very quick personal story. I was on the uh, on the 18th tee at um, in a, in a golf course in Spain once. Actually, I wasn't playing, but I was just having a look around the golf course because there was a spectacular view from this tee, uh, and I hadn't played at the course yet. And I went up to this tee to have a look at it. And while I was doing so. Um, some people walked onto the tee so they'd finished the 17th and they walked onto this spectacular 18th tee uh, and I was quite young I happened to be with my mum and dad at the time and we were sort of taking pictures from this vantage point and me and my dad sort of said hello to these people and walked past and it was not until we got around the corner that my mum said do you know who that is? I was like no and she went it's Sean Connery and when we oh. turned around there was just when you actually studied the guy he was he seemed a foot and a half taller than everyone else he had this big wide brimmed hat and it was he just oozed star quality. Now, in the first place, we weren't looking for it. But as soon as you drew eyes on the bloke, he just had something about him, and it was like yeah. it's incredible. And it's like, and I've met other people like that, and, and he just there's just something that just completely and utterly oozes star about them. And I've never met The Rock, which is a shame. But you know, he always comes across that way. Always comes across really cool. I would yeah, I would go entertaining. And person, you know, personality-wise, without peer, but funny. I don't know, not for not me. Funny. But I kind of wanted you to say that you would have him on it, for the reason being that I think people will expect him to be, and I think I think a lot of people will say that he's funny, and I think that we just might be missing out. And I'm not, by the way, this is making me sound as if. I'm saying, oh, if you find The Rock funny, your humour is childish. I don't mean it that way. Everyone's sense of humour is different, as we've already established on the, on the show. But I think this feels like it's going to be... We always have one controversial omission, and I think it's going to be Rock today. This is the one. Yeah, I think that's fine, and I feel pretty good about that, mate, to be honest. I feel okay with that, because one main event I do think that needs to be in it is just a much funnier guy as a comedian than The Rock ever was um, with Stone Cold Steve Austin okay okay I take your point uh, and I do think that Austin's a funny guy I, well I think that the man Steve Austin born Steve I think he wasn't even born Steve Williams was he? he was born something else but who became Steve Williams and then became Steve Austin the man behind everything is a hugely funny guy um, brilliant on the podcast from day one but I think a lot of the funny Stone Cold stories are actually told by other people about things that Stone Cold said and did. Or they're those sort of clips that have emerged of post-Raw 
chats with the crowd and that side of thing. Yes, there is a little bit of funny um, stuff. You mentioned the, the the stuff he did with Kurt. You know, it was funny. The heel stuff, the playing the guitar, the wearing of the hats. But I think it's a bit too short-lived compared to the rest of his career. And I just don't have all that many moments where I go, crikey, that's funny. I think, naturally, I know that he's a funny man. Um, I've interviewed him on the phone, not met him in real life. And anecdotally, I know he's a hugely funny man. But he's a very funny man in the sense that Alan Shearer is a very funny man. Is that every time I've ever met anyone who talks about Shearer, who says, what a, he's really, really, really funny. Really dry, great timing, etc., he doesn't do that on Match of the Day, does he? He's quite sensible on Match of the Day. He's quite. No, 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 I've met a lot of people over the years that you know are a hugely dry sense of humour, and it doesn't necessarily bring itself over on TV. And I absolutely agree that the timing is there with Austin, but for so much of his career, he had to be what he was. He had to be completely straight-faced. If there'd have been any, when have you ever seen any baby face Steve Austin? I'm not, I might be wrong, but how much baby face Austin stuff is there where he's funny? That's quite a good point. I think you're right. Maybe the funny stuff is more the um, as a baby face is more the situations like Correct. the supermarket brawl with Booker T and stuff like that. Again, it probably is entertaining more than funny. It's more absurd than funny. So the I'm, bedpan it, smashing oh. against McMahon's head is funny. But it's funny because Vince sells it, and it's funny because it goes clang. Yeah. Yeah. But everything Steve Austin is doing, he's just beating a man up. It's very funny when Vince is in the ring pretending to swim because he's got you know beer being splashed all over him. It's very funny when Vince is running for his life when Austin is you know bringing a Zamboni into the ring. All of the funny things in Austin versus Vince are Vince funny. Austin's not being funny. And when he is being funny, he's a heel, and it is the Jimmy Crack Corn and the Silly Angle stuff, which is genuinely funny. But that was the worst part of Steve Austin's career. You know, the stuff of him, you know, in, in being a heel and then being in the Alliance, you know, it's the worst part of his career, or the worst part of his WWE career. Um, so I struggle, even though my better judgment says he's an in, a very funny man. I don't. I don't have enough evidence. Whereas I've got lot. I've got lots of funnier things that, for example, Santino Morella has done, than I've got that Stone Cold Steve Austin has done. Well, in that case, let's pivot. And you've just mentioned the guy. What about Vince McMahon himself? Yeah, I have. Got, I have got Vince written down. I have got Vince written down. Um, just, mm. The difficulty is, we did at the very top of this say that we're not going to include law. Uh, include Heenan. I've given away another one that I'm going to come to. No, we, did, um, we, we said did, that we weren't we going to do did. Heenan because Heenan primarily was a re- was a manager and a commentator rather than a wrestler. Now, without a shadow of a doubt, Vince has been a wrestler. He's won the bloody Royal Rumble and he's been world champion. Mm. But I wouldn't say that Vince is primarily a wrestler. I would say primarily he's a commentator and an owner and, a, and an authority figure. Um, otherwise, true, true. I think he'd be a shoe in But I think if we include Vince, we've got to include Heenan. Um, no, and we that's did suggest fair. that we weren't going to. Fair. No, you're right. So where 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 was next? You were going to spend. Oh well, you, you gave the game away, there, didn't you, mate? You said Jerry Lawler. I was about to say Jerry Lawler. Just before we do that, I will say about, along with Vince, you could if if you were going to include Vince, I would say Vince brackets as well as Pat, Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, because actually that was a funny unit at the time. The, the whole um, 
the Stooges thing along with Vince was a, was a funny unit but uh, we're not going to go down that route yeah Jerry Lawler I want, I want to see what you think in terms of Lawler because um, again um, very clearly Lawler would, you'd say from the side of things of being a commentator you know the funny stuff that Lawler did mostly in the WWF was as a heel commentator and then later as a babyface commentator there's absolutely no doubt that you can't you can't you certainly can't say that Lawler is primarily not a wrestler because he was a wrestler for many many decades is still a wrestler no, of course, is well of course, known yeah. across the wrestling world for being an excellent wrestler especially in Memphis so he is primarily a wrestler but he's not primarily a wrestler in WWE um, and for the whole time that he I spent think... there nearly 30 years on and off you know he's I wouldn't have said his total matches in that company are as many as say someone like a, you know a Sami Zayn who's only been there for a few years oh, so Definitely not. You know, so I don't know if you can suggest that he's primarily a wrestler in that company, but you know that's the first object, uh, you know, get uh, uh, obstacle to get over. The second is how funny you think he is. But what about the first bit? Even if he were, I think, I think, I think you can just about give it because he's been a he's been a wrestler. If you you said what is Jerry Lawler more than anything else, he's a wrestler across the whole of his career. So I think you can give it, but. I don't, I don't find, and I think a lot of what you say about The Rock, you can say about Jerry Lawler, um, but maybe too, you know, obviously not as, not as popular or as talented. But I find, it, I find that Jerry Lawler is probably an extremely charming man in real life. He's, you know, he's conversational humour. It probably comes very easy to him. He's probably a very interesting guy to be down the pub with. But his on-screen humour is so puerile and so childish and sexist um, that I'm, I wouldn't even consider him remotely my cup of tea and I do think most would agree to be honest on that I think, I think where he was at his comedic peak in the late 90s he just doesn't stand up to modern day scrutiny and it just hasn't weathered the test of time unlike you know for instance Jericho in the same period which has um, now I'm, I'm, I wouldn't put this guy on the list or anywhere near it if I'm honest I think I would have done up, up to a point. I know we, we've already suggested that you know if someone has a you know a run of you know funny stuff and and some other serious stuff, then we'll still count the, the funny. I think the problem with Lawler is he's got a lot of good stuff, but he's also got a lot of bad. I feel like Lawler's jokes, um, if they were, if we were in the Crystal Dome. He has more silver jokes than he has gold jokes, <laughs> and I, I, yes. I, I think they cancel they cancel it out. I think up until about 1999, it would have been a solid hit for me. I don't think Lawler really, really worked from 2000 onwards, nope. especially when he came back in 2001 uh, after he you know he had a little bit of a hissy fit with the cat getting fired. Um, because he came back as a conquering babyface, and since then he's been broadly a babyface figure. There have been moments where he's gone back to trying to be a heel again, but he's so beloved now, it's hard for people to, uh, you know, to turn on him too much. But the stuff in the middle 90s, you know, the the stuff with Brett in particular, when he would have a go at, at Stu and Helen, I do think he's funny. The, 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 yeah, that was quite. And funny, I even, actually. to be fair, I even, although it was a slightly odd place to go, I think some of his stuff with with Jake Roberts was quite funny. You know, um, mm, too funny because Mark Henry, who was supposed to be hating it, was on commentary pissing himself laughing. Even <laughs> though he was meant to be angry with Lawler, all he was doing was laughing at his gags because Lawler was 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 killing him. 
Um, and you know, up until there's been very many brilliant comedy performances on the on the microphone where he's been siding with Vince McMahon um, and the corporation, and, and Jr. would get upset, and Lawler would have a go back. I absolutely could give you lots and lots of good examples. I think, however, the humour that he got over with, you know, dated to a point, as we said with The Rock. And he never updated it. He never yeah. changed with the times. It was still the same sort of one-liners. And it became that sort of, you know, when you, for example, when you had a Royal Rumble where there was a, a group of commentators, so you might have Michael Cole and JBL and the King, you know, you'd have Michael Cole calling the fast-paced action and JBL, when he was on a going day, as they say in horse racing, you know, when JBL was really in the zone, you know, he'd be firing out great lines and uh, getting behind the characters. And then they'd go to Lawler, and he'd do a little one-line attempt at a zinger, and you'd go, "Oh, you've re- you've missed that. You've missed the. Po- it's not the time to be doing that. You know, it's not the bra and panties match. It's not the, the you know, the, the silly you know mid-card gimmick. It's a Raw Rumble, and it's getting serious towards the end. And you're and you're doing gags, and it's. I think his timing was became off, and the reason for him being around became you know non-existent, and particularly the the times where he was a babyface, and he would say pretty well fat shaming things towards Vicky Guerrero um, was mm-hmm. when he really really lost me because you know Vicky was a great heel and Vicky didn't the fact that Vicky happened to be a bit chunky although was she really by general standards but because she didn't look like a diva um, she became the, 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 the figure of fun that way and Jer- Jerry would probably say well you know he put up for years with the, with the Burger King stuff and whatever and that's maybe true but as a baby face making fat jokes towards the heel it just felt cruel and you know I tended yeah. to have sympathy for Vicky which I shouldn't have done because Jerry was making cruel fat jokes it, let's face it he was probably being cajoled and cheered on by Vince behind the scenes and that's you know that's the reason why but I do think there's there's too much negative, there's too much um, in the way of humour that in 2020 isn't funny anymore. And I think, had Jerry Lawler been... Had Jerry Lawler never come back in 2001, I think he probably would make this list. Essentially, if I was 15 years old. Well, okay, but that's, you know... As we've already established, we have to take in a lot of the audience and... And I've true, made, the, made the point true, many true. times. Many I've made the point many times over the years that um, you know you can argue till your cows come home about the sophisticated humour or broadly sophisticated humour of you know a show like uh, The Office, and you can talk about the very very broad humour of a show like uh, Mrs Brown's Boys, and we can all have our opinion on what we think is best. But in terms of the uh, the viewing figures, a lot more people watch Mrs Brown's Boys than ever watch The Office, and. You know, it's. Yeah, I don't. Too. I don't. I don't like it. It's not my, my not my cup of tea. But you know, in terms of popularity, we have to look at that sometimes. But I do think we've we've made enough of a case to say that uh, that the Lawler doesn't make it. Um, I've got two left to talk about. I think you've got a couple more. So if you can guess the two that no, I've got. No, I've just got two as well. Oh, have you? Okay. I thought I, I had a bit of a count in my head that you had a few more than me. But okay, we've got two left then. Uh, let's go to another person that would be considered as a, a main eventer um, and might be oh, this is a big shout but was he potentially the first man to get to the main event partly because of his sense of humour Mick Foley um, was he the first man to get to the main event for his sense of humour well, partially but not entirely well I would argue I think it was more I would argue that Mankind, as a serious, horrible, nasty heel, 
was a fantastic character and an over character, but not a main eventer. And okay, you could argue no. that anyone working with Undertaker is kind of main event, but they weren't working main event matches. He did have that one against Sean, which was a great match. But broadly speaking, Mankind was not on the top level. He wasn't. He wasn't Undertaker. He wasn't Shawn Michaels. He wasn't Bret Hart. He wasn't Diesel. He wasn't quite even Vader. You know, he was on the next level down. But when he got to the top as Mankind, it was after doing a lot of the Mankind stuff, the bedraggled Mankind, the, the weird suit-wearing Mankind, the cozying up to Vince, the stuff with Dude Love. You know, his biggest days came later. And I think without the funny stuff, he wouldn't have made it to the top. I agree. Uh, the funny stuff and the relatability. Correct. Um, and I think the two really go hand in hand because he, his humour, most of his humour was derived from the fact that he was an everyman. And he almost put, it was almost as if he was putting the audience in the ring with the wrestlers. You felt you could live through Mick Foley. And I think that was truly his path to success was, was that was that sort of aura that if Mick Foley can do it, anyone can do it, which obviously isn't true because he's an incredibly gifted pro wrestler and an incredibly gifted entertainer. But that was what his character was all about. Um, and the humour was a huge part of that. My favourite Foley humour was his run after he finishes in ring career as a commissioner in 2000. Um, and we've, we've touched on that earlier. And I think it was, I think we've, we've, we've said how important he was to Edge and Christian how just how funny he was with Edge and Christian um, but I think you know Foley's charm Foley you know in the same way that we said The Rock and Lawler are charming I think Foley's charming as well but I think Foley's naturally funnier I'd say he's funnier than the both of them because I think out of the three Mick Foley's probably better at laughing at himself and I think that's such a key component of humour broad humour I think if you can't laugh at yourself, you can only go so far and only amuse so many people. But if you can laugh at yourself, you can get the world on side. Mm. Um, and I think that's Mick Foley's comic gift, is is being that guy that everyone is with and everyone wants to, you know, wants to laugh with or wants to or wants to laugh at if invited. Um, but more importantly, wants to succeed. Um, and I think you're absolutely on the money when you when when you say his his sense of humour was a massive part in that. So probably you know you take the humour away from Mick Foley, you take that human element away from Mick Foley, you have not got a main eventer. No, you haven't. You, you take really it. Haven't. You take you take it away from Kurt Angle, you still got one. Mm -hmm. totally. um, but I th but I think you don't with Foley, and I think for that reason. He definitely bears consideration for this list. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think what you said about the commissioner stuff, I loved that as well. I actually would place that second in terms of Foley eras because I loved bedraggled, slightly pathetic, trying to be nice to Vince. <laughs> that was good. It that was kills good. me. And there's, I can't think of any example off the top of my head, but there's lots of like silly little examples of, about being backstage... Um, you know, just floating around and popping up in other people's promos, or like just doing a, a, getting interviewed by you know Michael, a very young Michael Cole or Kevin Kelly, and saying something silly and wandering off, and everyone would go, "Hey!" But it was just he had this way of being that just made you chuckle, and um, but at the same time you still got that like, again, like we talked about with Kurt, Kurt Angle, you still got the kind of King of the Death match can suddenly morph into Cactus Jack, 
you know, and, and go mad, you know, side of him. But he did have yeah. the uh, the comic um, sensibilities. I do remember that thing in his book where he said he was trying to break the rock or trying to get the rock to sort of accept him for yes. a long time, and it didn't really fly. And then there was that one time as the commissioner where he said something, you know, he said to the rock, you know, we all want to know how does that feel. And the Rock went to answer, and then Foley did that. It doesn't matter how it feels. And remember, he ran round the ring, doing Foley, yeah. Foley. And yeah. the Rock had this yeah. broad smile on his face. And I remember seeing that and thinking, "That's Dwayne. That's Dwayne laughing." At <laughs> I think that's. I think Mick's got through. I think he's finally broken the facade. And it's like, you know, and again, there's Mick Foley talks in the book in his books a few times about how he liked how Shane and Stephanie were around Vince, for example. And he talks about, he said it gives nothing, I think he says a line along the lines of, nothing gives me more hope for the future when I see a son and a daughter who actually seem to like their father, um, or something like that. Mm. Well, I often will judge people off of how other, what other people say. I've, I've met Mick several times, as indeed you have. Uh, I've interviewed him on lots of occasions. I've always found him a, a really, really nice, charming, witty, urbane, funny man. But people can flick that on and off. Um, I tend to go more by what other people say about them and I just I've almost never heard anyone say anything bad about Mick Foley and the people that do say something bad about him tend to have an axe to grind you know and, and whether yeah. that's you know someone like Ric Flair um, who is pissed off about Mick and the things he said about him in his book or something like that or you know Rick's you know, Rick is very bitter towards a lot of people but you know, he he would not, he would look at Mick and think that's a different type of pro wrestling to his own. So, but you know, so Rick has got an extra grind. And but apart from someone like that, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything bad about Mick Foley as a human being. And you know, he's so well liked, and he's so you can just see the smiles on people's faces when he's around. And that's that's a big part of this. You know, I've once heard a, a comedy writer, you know, talk about it's not a comedy show is not all about laughs. Sometimes it's about smiles. You know, there's just as important yeah. to make sure there are moments where you just smile because you actually don't laugh out loud all that often. You know, especially if you're on your own in your house. You know, laughter tends to be infectious, but the amount of time if you just go, you just have a smile on your face and go, "Yeah, good one." That's important. And Mick's got a lot of those. He does that a lot. He does. He does. Makes you feel very good about yourself, does Mick Foley? Um, I think we've got one more then, haven't we? I think we've got one to go. Um. And I, don't and think, we I, need think to... I think he's a shoo-in for the list. He's a shoo-in for the list, and I think we'll probably use him to transition into making the list because I, I know for a fact that I'm going to have him on, you're going to have him on. I suspect he might win the poll, but I don't know. There's, there are some other very fine choices in here. Um, I would suggest that if you spoke to many other wrestlers as well, that they would often say that the funniest man that they've ever seen perform in a wrestling ring, and particularly in other skits, is, of course, Bret Hart. <laughs> okay, this is a poll. This is a poll. That, this is a poll that Brett's probably not going to win. No, um, William Regal uh, just is head and shoulders for me uh, above almost anybody when it comes to this. And I think what I'll start with, Paul, is something that you said earlier on about how serious to take yourself. You know how Mick Foley would not take himself all that seriously, and how Chris Jericho at the right time would not take himself all that seriously Chris Jericho is often very very happy to self-promote and talk about where he stands in the in the scheme of things and he thinks of himself as an all-time great I don't really have a problem with that and I don't call I don't find that arrogant I think it's just holding your own belief but he's happy to make a fool of himself um, as are many of the people on this list but no one goes to those lengths like Regal will do and no one has the 
the self-deprecating description of himself. If you ever talk to William Regal about his career, he knows when he needs to talk about what, how good he was in the ring and how he had the ability to make people look good and he could you know, could g- genuinely fight someone if necessary, etc., etc. But if you really dig into it, he will basically go, I was just a turn. He won't say he's a wrestler. I was just a turn. I'm just a carry-on character. That, that, that is legitimately how he describes himself. Obviously, he's a lot more than that. But if the man himself knows that he's a carry-on character, <laughs> I think he's got a chance. I think I think he's a trim. You know, you look at Regal and you see, you know, the through line to so many great English comedians, and you know, he's truly steeped in that, you know, that northern, uh, that northern sort of. I was going to say northern soul, but that's completely wrong. Oh, he loves northern you know, the, soul. The northern right? sensibility. He I know that's he why. That's why it's into my head. But you know, you think of the inspiration. You know, he must. Be, he's a student of the game. Clearly, a student of comedy. You know, some of the guys that that he, you know, he'll look to as geniuses. Like I don't know, Milligan, Cleese, Everett, <laughs> Sessions. Sessions. Um, <laughs> um, he'll he'll just absolutely adore guys like that, and it shows through in every every bit of his performance. I think he's a truly top class comedian, not a funny wrestler, a funny comedian. Again, like like we go back to um, who did I say about earlier, Chris Jericho. If William Regal in Blackpool all those years ago decided he wanted to be a comic performer. I think he'd be much more famous in the UK now if he decided to become a comedian than he did as a wrestler. I think he he could have absolutely made a career at the top level as a comedian, and I just uh, he, he's just in my eyes the best, the best out and out comedian. He might not be everybody's funniest wrestler, but I think he's the best comedian in wrestling history. Certainly, as a as a comic performer, I think sometimes there's a bit of a distinction drawn between a stand-up comedian. Uh, and a comedian along the lines of say like a Ronnie Barker you know who, mm. who, who wouldn't have ever done stand up but would have written comedy and would have performed comedy and you wouldn't consider yeah. Ronnie Barker an actor necessarily um, or a comedian but he's that comic actor which is that sort of hinterland failing that Regal would have been a, he would have been in sketch comedy wouldn't he he could have been in a a python yes, or a, um, you know, or something like that you could see him doing characters in, in python or in the fast show or in the two Ronnies or Whatever, and he he has got a legitimately, you know, credible love and knowledge of of all sorts of humour. He loves end of the one. If you you really drill into people that he finds really funny, he'll talk about people like Mick Miller, who most people listening to this podcast mm. would have never heard of. Go and Google Mick Miller. He is pretty dated, but there is there is the odd absolute corking line from Mick Miller. I think he's a very very funny man. Um, here's the thing with William Regal, Stephen Regal. Uh, uh, Darren Matthews um, what he has about him and this, going, this is something that's going for him that others have against him is the fact that he's an Englishman in an American world uh, mm-hmm. if you if I were to just say to a wrestling fan from this country or otherwise but let's, let's say from this country someone listening to this and I just all I said was do an impression of a wrestler they would naturally go um how you listen to me, Paul Benson? When I get you in the ring next week, I am going to take you down. They would go American. It's instinct. Wrestling yep. is American. It's not solely American. There's great wrestling in Britain, in Mexico, in Japan, in, in Canada, in all over the world, right? But realistically, in our eyes, wrestling is American. And so when someone like Puck or Rockstar Spud, who we've already mentioned, you know, um, 
Drake Maverick or anyone else even going back to Davy Boy Smith and to uh, to all sorts of different people that have been been around over the years if they're British their promos don't sound right there's just something no, a bit about quite. them Wade Barrett has done okay with it Nick Aldis has done okay mm, with it okay but they still don't sound quite right they sound like they're trying to be a bit American because yep. they kind of are because it's natural now when you need to stand out the other way it's so much funnier for William Regal to for example at Wrestlemania 17 to say to Kamala no I will not touch your bloody moon sod off and it's like yes. that's not yes. really funny but in its context it's absolutely hilarious because you go no one else could get a, if someone else went don't you touch me man you goddamn son of a bitch like, that's not funny but if Regal goes get away from me go on get away from me you heathen it's it's immediately funny and he knew how to use old British language he would call Trish Stratus a wench with lovely bristles and like you know it just sounded this otherworldly you know medieval British that he came out with but it was terrifically funny and he can pull a face he can just he can turn himself for anything but again he does not to the same level of Kurt Angle but he has got that ability um, to turn on a sixpence and to be able to be considered a tough guy and I do think it's one of the great missed opportunities perhaps that's a podcast for the future what's the biggest missed opportunity uh, in mm, wrestling history like um, perhaps we'll do that soon but William Regal is his own missed opportunity but William Regal getting done by the wellness policy just after he'd won the King of the Ring oh, he oh. was on his way that was his moment that's the biggest he had ever got to the nearest he'd ever got to being near the top and he, he at his yeah. own admission screwed it up and it was a shame and it was a real shame for him and indeed for wrestling because he was absolutely on to something there but we won't dwell on that it is, I, it's just one of those I can't think of too many I just said about the Austin thing you know find me find me funny Austin's you know examples or find me bad Regal examples because Very even something true. even Very something true. as pathetic as Chris Jericho whizzing in his tea you know the face that Regal pulled was just absolutely astonishing and I do think my favourite I'm going to give you my favourite all time Regal line um, was when Tajiri first appeared in the WWF and was doing a lot of you know very traditional Japanese talking and bowing and Regal said to him he said now look sunshine or worse to that effect now look sunshine we don't do racial stereotypes in the WWF now run along and get me yeah. some tea and crumpets <laughs> what a line I, I imagine so he come up with that himself so good. I watched that just a few weeks ago actually I fully fully agree with that it was a genius line and yes I agree I'm sure he would have come up with that. It was so it was so understated, and so you just let it hang out there. And it's truly great comedy, in the in, in a British sense, because he he doesn't have to put bombast behind everything he does. He knows that the right people will pick up the right lines, and he's got confidence in his comedy. Um, just a, just a wonderful wonderful performer. So I think it's fair to say he's number one on the list, isn't he? And as an overall thing, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit, is you know, this is an industry which really, really struggles with comedy. You know, this is an industry where, you know, we've not mentioned, I'm sure, if this was an official WWF poll, a WWE poll, a Vince McMahon poll, we should have been saying people like the Bushwhackers. We should have been saying people mm. like Hornswoggle. Um, you know, we should have been saying, you know, officially representative funny men as far as the WWE were concerned. And, and we haven't really gone to a lot of those because they haven't really... 
they haven't really caught on because that silly sort of shtick you know hasn't really worked broadly even though they've tried it a lot just this week you know we, we started the show by talking about the MJF Jericho stuff in AEW yeah. um, from last night as we record this um, but also you know there's been other attempts recently you know from both sides to try and do comedy and it's hard it doesn't re- it falls flat a lot of the time and it, whether it's the the 24/7 championship or all sorts of different things you know our truth has managed to carry that a little bit spud has managed to carry that a little bit but generally speaking it, you know it's not good and it's it's lowbrow humor and it, and it doesn't really work with its audience so that's not what the audience are looking for but if you can hit them with a little gut punch out of nowhere which is funny and they're not expecting it and they genuinely laugh and they go with it you know, then you've hit something. And I think my all-time favourite comedy segment, which actually on paper sounds horrendous, and if someone's not seen this, they're going to say, oh, that sounds awful. And if they tried to do it now with a different cast of characters, it would probably die on its ass. But there was a segment from, I'm going to say around about 2006? No, a bit later than that. 2009, maybe? Um, The Dating Game. Do you remember that? Oh, you, yeah, I do. You really like this, don't you? I've said it many times, but it's, it is funny from start to finish. Brilliantly done. But it's Regal, it's Farouk, Ron Simmons, it's Hackshaw, Jim Duggan, and it's Santino, and it's Maria. And it's just... it's, it's a, it, it, They call it the dating game in America. It's blind date, as far as we're concerned. And it's just masterful. And it, but it, but it's, but it has a point. It's not just funny. The storyline at the time is the storyline between Santino and Maria that he's getting jealous of her and he wants to, he wants the limelight and she's goody two shoes and he's a heel. And it even finishes that segment with Umaga or Umanga, as Regal called him, coming out at the end, Santino running away, and it leads into a match with Umaga versus John Cena, which is how yeah. that, you know, how that show carries on. And the previous week. Umaga had beaten up Santino so it, it fits into a major storyline you know there was a point to it but it's just really really funny stuff and if you watch the audience because you, you can clearly see the audience in the background because the, the, the segment takes place in the ring they are properly going for it they are properly buying the lines and but, it, but it's regal driven because he's hosting it you know and I think there's a line where Duggan says something along the lines of you know I'm here I've got my tie and I have a massive piece of wood very lowbrow humour but it goes to Regal and he goes that's not what I've heard and again it's not groundbreaking but it's it's his delivery and it's it's tremendous and Conrad Thompson always says on his podcast if there's one match you should go and watch having listened to this it's whatever well I'm saying if there's one segment which you should go and watch go and watch the dating game uh, wonderful wonderful stuff so Regal I think Thank first you. name on our list we now need to populate it with four more this is the list as I yep. have it Paul the ones that we have decided to put through to the next stage um, I think roughly in the order that we've put them through on the show so uh, Team Hell No Edge and Christian The Hurricane Grado Spud R-Truth Jericho Kurt Angle Austin and Foley I think we did enough did we not to say that Austin you know, we'll probably Agreed. fall down the list a little bit, so I'll I'll take him off. Um, who's the, who's a couple of names that you would say? You know, they've had a good run to get to this level, but they can't realistically hang in that top echelon. I think the two that stand out to me are the Hurricane and our truth. Yeah, I I think I would have to add Grado into that as well. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Not I because he's not, right, not because actually. he's not a funny funny guy, but. He's been a really funny guy in ICW and in you know TNA when no one was watching, and you know that doesn't mean you're not funny, but 
I just I think it counts against him a little bit. As we said when we were talking about him, I actually think he would be a really good asset, you know, to WWE mm-hmm. if, they, if they brought him in and they and they ratcheted him up. I think it's very similar to how they've noticed over the last only probably the last year how valuable Drake Maverick can be for them. You know, they probably would yeah. find that uh, the Grado could do a lot of great stuff as well. But I don't think he can get onto this list here. Um, it leaves us six. We need to pick four out of six. Uh, four, I've got seven actually left. I've got one, two. I've got seven left on there, mate. Read to be out. honest. Uh, Angle, Regal, Spud, Jericho, Edge, and Christian Foley, and Team Hell No. Same but again. I would Angle, Regal, Spud. Oh, okay. No, sorry, sorry. You're uh, saying Regal. I've I've kind of in my head already put Regal through. So Regal's, oh, Regal, sorry. Yeah, Regal's on the list yeah, yeah, okay. of, of those seven. Fine. Regal's already through, so it leaves us six got to put it, got with it. him. Um, give us a give honest, us a give us a definite then. Give us one that you, you you'll say is your oh, lock. De- my next definite is Kurt Angle. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take you on for that. Oh, this is one of those lists for them. Every time I look at a list, I go, well, we can't leave them off, but we can't leave them <laughs> off. Oh man, alive. Do you know what? I think I might have had Angle at number six, but you're very strong for him, so. Ooh. Well, just, let's see who else you got. Give, just, us, give us your next. Who's your number two? Okay, my next one, the, the, the one that I'm saying is definite. Yeah. I think the funniest out laugh out loud stuff that I've watched in a very, very long time in wrestling was the Team Hell No stuff. And <gasps> I am specifically not saying Brian Danielson or Kane, but I thought Team Hell No was genuinely funny. Not had some good comic timing, not did the odd line here and there. Proper, genuinely written to be funny comedy so I would I would like to put Team Hell No through well they were my number six <laughs> well we've okay we've done each other's number six then so we're going yeah. to have a little problem unless we do a little sneaky right. uh, allow six through okay my one to leave off that I would suggest is the next one to leave off and again I think he's done brilliantly to get here he's an immensely funny man but again I'm not sure there's been enough against the others is to at this point say Spud Drake Maverick you know, thanks for your time. You've done brilliantly to get into like the top seven, but I don't think I can quite have him in the five. Interesting, because I would, I would have Edge and Christian off at this point. Okay. In then, fact, it's funny. You look at my, I'd, I'd already kind of written a rough list out. My, my li- out of those seven, my list was the five single guys taking off the two tag teams. Okay. I would say we- that. It's very, very hard to see this list without Jericho. Are we both agreed on Jericho? I, we are, yes. Okay. I and I think we're both agreed on Foley, then, aren't we? <sighs> I think I would have Edge and Christian above Foley. Would you? Would you really? Marginally. Not much in it. Not much in it. I love Mick Foley. I would have Mick Foley and Edge and Christian in a knock angle. Wow. Okay. Well, let's. Get, I'll tell you what. There's a few permutations here. Let's give you Edge and Christian. Yeah. Let's give you Edge and Christian and take out Mick Foley. So that gives us Edge and Christian, Jericho, Angle, Regal. And I want Spud. <laughs> you're trying to uh you're trying to um not uh, you're trying to do a deal with me there, aren't you? I am. I want Drake Maverick on this list. I think he's outstanding. No, I think he's outstanding as well. I absolutely think he's outstanding as well. But I think ultimately, 
you need examples you know you need to be able to say give me those examples of what they've done and how funny they've been and I can do that with Regal and I can do it with Hell No and I can do it with Jericho I can do it with Angle who I, as I said I would have had at number 6 but I would, I would I've had examples for Angle for Foley and for ENC I can give you lots of good examples off the top of my head off the top of my head I can't with Spud I, I can give you loads ok go on Give me one. Well, all, all, everything he did. Well, every single skit he did around the twenty-four-seven title and his wife. Every single one was just unbelievably well done. But it, no, I agree with that. Listen, see, no, this, this 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 comes to a point where we're arguing against you know, um, know eight, eight out of ten versus nine out of ten. So don't take anything I'm about to say to be in the negative because I I, I think I love the guy and I think he's hilarious. Um, but I, ju- I just I, you said everything about him and I agree that everything about him is funny but I'm talking about you know if you're talking great comedy you know you can talk about moments from Only Falls and Horses as well as you know and moments from Faulty Towers and moments from the two Ronnies and from Monty Python and from Morecambe and Wise and from The Office and from Phoenix Knights and whatever I feel like Spud is a you know is a next level down comedy show which is you know he's a royal family which is, you know, it's funny almost all the way through, but is, has it got one of those all-time great moments? And I, I, I just, I'm not sure I've, I've got enough there to say that's, that's where I would go. Do you know where we're going with this, Rob? What? We're going with a six. But what one are we leaving off? Because, because, because the hard thing in here is that the two that I would leave off of these seven are Kurt Angle and Spud. And they're two that you definitely want on your five. And the two I leave off are Edge and Christian and Team Hell No. Yeah. So I'll tell you what then. The obvious way to do this, very easy. We have Regal, we have Angle, we have Jericho. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know about oh, Angle. Honey. See, I don't know about Angle because we've not necessarily... No, agreed. Right. The, the only two that we've agreed on are Regal and Jericho. Regal and Jericho. They are the only okay. two that we've actually agreed on. So, right, so I want Regal and Jericho. We've got Regal and Jericho. I want Spud and Angle in, and you don't. You yeah. want Team Hell No and Edge and Christian in, and I don't. We need to pick one of those each. And that's very difficult for me, because I'm going to have to pick Kurt Angle. Do you kind of win on this? Deal? I almost feel like we've got to pick one of each other's. I almost feel like, okay, I've, got, I, I feel like I've got to pick Kurt Angle or Spud. And you pick Kurt Angle, obviously. And I would pick Kurt, and I think you've got to pick Hell No or Edge and Christian. And I would pick Edge and Christian. Okay. So, so that gives us one more spot. Okay, so it gives us Regal, Jericho, Regal, Jericho, Angle, Edge and Christian. And it so leaves we've us got Foley, Spud, Foley or Hell No. Or Hell no. So we do our we do our easy thing. We rank them. Um, Let me see which one gets the most points. Yeah. Okay. Listen, let me have a look. So I'm gonna. Okay. I've got. So I'm gonna go. So three three points, two points, one point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going. Hell no. Three. Foley. Two. Spud. One. You're going what? Sorry. I'm going hell no. Three. Foley. Two. Spud. Oh. One. In terms of points. <laughs> Three points to hell no, one point to spud, two for Foley. I well, bet you've done the exact that, opposite. That makes it four, four, four. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> right, fuck this. We're having them all in. 
Uh, I, I mean, we, we, we can't. We, other, we're going to be here forever, otherwise, aren't we? Yeah, we are. An unprecedented <laughs> seven timer. It's just silly. This is, this is nuts because Regal's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might not. He might not. <laughs> We've got our seven. We've got William Regal, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Edge and Christian, Drake Maverick, Mick Foley, and Team Hell. No, done deal. It is. I mean, yeah. The, the the names that we've left off that we you know which are you know, so harsh against them. You know, we've left off Mike Adamley. Uh, we've left <laughs> off uh, Ken uh, Patera. You know, some of the uh, Alex the Pug Porto. Some real, you know, some, some of the names Canadian that we've left off. Know. Actually, genuinely, there's a few that we haven't really gone into that we could have done a little bit more on. Um, we've not really talked about um, you know Kevin Nash, who's you know is a funny guy. Bob Backlund at times. The whole of the New Day. Ric Flair. You know, there's there's plenty of people that we we could have gone to. I think that we haven't really even given lots of time. That suggests um, what a again what a long deep uh, list it is. But the seven that we've come up with uh, in no particular order are Drake Maverick, Mick Foley, Team Hell No, William Regal, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, and finally Edge and Christian. So that will be the list. Um, we have to mess around with the coding now. We're now going to have to spend hours and hours and hours <laughs> basically rebuilding the website just so we can have seven names. <laughs> on that list um, so this podcast is uh, by the time you're listening to this it's probably going to be after the weekend we've got a few things we need to sort out on the website and so although we're recording this Thursday night we're probably actually going to have to put it up after the weekend so this will be like Monday or Tuesday I think it will go up but by the time you're listening to this that will already come true uh, oh we could uh, we could do our we could do our predictions for, for Hell in a Cell we're speaking before Hell in a Cell because we, so we could try and uh, make this sound like we are geniuses or we could be idiots because we're saying it beforehand so let's leave that um, but uh, I think it's going to be an amazing show and I can't believe here, I can't believe she came out in the main event um, but apart from that uh, what a great match a bleak show uh, but what you can do now folks is you can go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote and you can vote for one of those seven I feel like we should do it in a way that everyone they should be able to give seven points to one six points to another five points to another and make it like Eurovision oh, you, can, you can get knotted if you want to talk about the coding that would be uh, that would be fun we just, that would be, we'll do that one uh, we'll do a one off like that we'll do a Eurovision wrestling contest where we put 12 into a final and or 10 into a final we'll do it like like, uh, like Eurovision but uh, so until that point not? until we actually meet someone that can code like that uh, we will do it our way so vote for one of those seven folks I do think that Regal will win um, but you know we will see because that's a great list and it's full of funny people and if you vote for any of those uh, I certainly wouldn't talk you down in the end we've had to come up with a, a list of seven because because uh, that's just the way it is that's the only way we can uh, we can sort it any final words Paul before we wrap up no, nope. I think we've got a great list there. I'm looking forward to seeing who wins. I'm not as convinced as you that Regal will, um, but he'd get my vote. So let's see what the people say. Yeah, uh, looking forward to finding out everyone's views. Uh, we will be back uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks with another brand new podcast of this. We'll give you the answers to the poll uh, and a brand new list of five brackets or six or seven. Uh, but hopefully five for a brand new topic we'll see you then don't forget to check out all the other podcasts uh, in the Hooked on Wrestling podcast network there's many 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 uh, to go through but you've heard us long enough now we won't do a long plug this time but there's plenty of stuff to choose from uh, from Paul and myself thank you very much for listening do check out the website hookedonwrestling.co.uk and we'll be back with you very soon just remember that it's wrestling and how any of these seven comedic performances would say 
enjoy it. See you very soon.